0: And Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret.
1: Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet?
0: No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Oh. So, where are I? The boy I'm your brother, Sammy. Help me! Stay back! Stay back! What's happening when you start? Get yourself a good, sharp stick. Drive right through the You're a vampire, Michael. My, my own brother, a damn blood-sucking vampire. When oh, you eat your mom, find some When a vampire bites it, it's never a pretty sight.
2: Everybody. Hello. We're back. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between.
3: Hey guys, my name's Pete and I'm Scott and, and these, these are, are the, the movies, that movies that made us made gay. gay. Pete, this is like the third movie in a row that I would probably put in like my personal top 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. We did The Lost Boys. Yay! Released we July thirty first, nineteen eighty seven, with our good friend, straight ally, yes, indeed, Billy Roach. <laughs> Hi, Billy. thanks for
2: having me. Welcome to the show. I'm so
1: excited to be so here. So we landed on Lost Boys.
3: We almost. I really wanted you to come on for a weird science episode. Oh yeah. So it was between this and weird science. We will get to weird science, but I feel like kind of with the passing of Joel Schumacher this movie felt a little more kind of important to talk to right now yeah. and you are sort of an expert on this movie
1: I, I mean I love this movie I was introduced to just vampires and like horror culture at a very like young age and this is this movie is very important to me you know, getting into that—yeah, such a phenomenal film—and I'm, I'm excited that we're talking about it. Good.
3: Y- yeah, same here. It's definitely a movie that I remember discovering when I was probably in the sixth grade, and just fucking loving it.
1: You know, and to tell you the truth, I don't even remember the first time seeing it. I I remember Lost Boys. I the first time (laughs) seeing it. I feel like Lost Boys is just always, and this is going to sound terrible, like a part of my life. I mean, that sounds sounds (laughs) cheesy, but like Lost Boys always has been and always will be. Oh, yeah, for sure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I don't really remember the first time I saw it. I definitely didn't see it in the theater, but I just do remember just having this awareness of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Always. So I mean, if I, I had to venture a guess – sorry, Scott. If I had to v- venture a guess, it was probably like Late Night Cable, maybe HBO yeah, or it something had to, when I was a kid. Yeah, it had yeah. to have been that.
3: So I remember this movie um, – I remember my mom actually telling me when I was a kid that I think probably when we were discussing vampire movies or something – because, I mean, I was a kid when Bram Stoker's Dracula came out, and I just remember my mom telling me that she really enjoyed a movie called Lost Boys. Uh-huh. And my mom is not really someone that really likes horror movies. No. But my mom, I remember just telling me that she just thought it was really funny. Sure. It is funny. She just like really appreciated the humor, and I remember her just telling me when I was a kid. I just thought it was really funny. Yeah, a
1: lot of people consider Lost Boys a comedy, just like a lot of people also consider American Werewolf in uh, London a comedy. Yeah, I would see it playing like late night on Comedy Central, and I'm like, I I guess I didn't get (laughs) a movie (laughs) movie that has fun with genres. Yeah, I remember I was spending the night at my friend
3: Charlie's house when I was probably. In the fifth or sixth grade, and it was on cable, on like TNT, probably Monster Vision or something. Yeah. Because I used to watch Monster Vision a lot with Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah, Joe Bob Briggs. Joe Bob Briggs. And yeah, I remember catching the ending of it. And then when I got home, I told my mom that I finally watched a little bit of Lost Boys and I loved it. And oddly enough, we had it taped. And this is the tape that I mentioned on our Overboard episode. Oh, yeah. It went Overboard to Lost Boys. The Edward
2: Herman. Your, uh, <laughs> yeah. Your Edward Herman double feature. <laughs> yes, yeah, the yeah. Edward Herman double feature.
3: <laughs> and it's just a movie. And then I actually watched the whole thing. Sure. And then loved it. And it, I feel like it's been a movie that is on rotation throughout the year ever since. At our home, yes. Yeah. Uh,
2: I do feel like it was probably on... Definitely was on uh, Joe Bob Briggs. I feel like it was probably on Up All Night. Do you remember Up All Night with Ronda Shear? Yes. Oh, man, I love that. It was probably on Up All Night with Rhonda Shear. Uh, yeah. The whole horror comedy thing, it's interesting because it is a genre unto itself. You know, there are some horror movies that have a little bit more comedic elements in them and that just make them a little bit more fun, like um, even something like Fright Night. You know, it's a little bit more fun. Gremlins is a little bit more on the lighter side. But uh this doesn't lean as far into the comedy as like something like Ghostbusters, which I feel like yes. is a comedy first. Yeah. Comedy first. That has sci-fi Some elements. elements. Yeah. Exactly. Um but this is definitely and Joel Schumacher even talked about it on the commentary, you know, mixing comedy and horror and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But I don't feel like it's just a straight horror movie because there is so much like fun stuff in it and there are the crazy thing is that the kids in this movie I just always felt like I'm a couple of years younger than the Corey's like maybe five yeah, but years younger. Than they were the probably 40s. born in like seventy three, seventy four so, or so. Um, to me, as a kid, they were always older teenagers. You know, in those movies, "License to Drive" came out, and I was just like in love with that movie. That "License to Drive" was so fun, and I thought that was exactly what it was going to be like when I got my driver's license, and it wasn't. Um, but to to find out that the that, that Corey
3: Haim was thirteen. That's what Joel said on the commentary. He was That's thirteen insane. years old. <laughs> thirteen. That's crazy.
2: Mm-hmm. Doesn't he feel like he's about fifteen or sixteen? Yeah, he feels older. He reads yeah. about fifteen. And 16, especially but...
3: Corey Feldman, like coming off of yeah. the Goonies that came out in what, like eighty? Goonies came out in eighty five. Eighty five, yeah. and then shot in eighty four. So he like definitely went through puberty in that year in between shooting.
2: Well. Stand By Me was in between. And there's, you can even see be- the progression of like Corey Feldman from Goonies to Stand By Me. You're like, okay, he's aged. And then in this, he's just like a full grown. Like, yeah. Wait, so Stand person. By Me
1: was right before Lost Boys? It had to have been right So he went Lost back Boys. to back with Kiefer Sutherland. Hey, there you in go. July. Yeah. yeah.
2: Kiefer and Kiefer Sutherland scaring the shit out of Young Pete, two and movies also, in a row. Like, oh, God, he was so creepy. And also, that, like, I mean. Kiefer oh, Sutherland man, was, and also ugh. Jason
3: Patrick being, like, 19 and 20 years old. Like, those That's look insane. like grown-ass men. Those look like adults. Kiefer, to me, looks
2: like he's in his 20s, maybe early 20s. Jason Patrick full-on looks 34 years old. Serving yes. beefcake in this movie.
1: <laughs> and he's was around 19 insane he was 19 see i he read like 24 25 to me yeah yeah
2: there are certain things about Corey Haim, his character that make him feel a little bit younger certain just parts that are just built into the script um i mean him just taking that bath not being the least of which oh yeah we'll talk about that make him seem a little bit (laughs) younger because even what's uh jason patrick's character's name mike Michael michael even michael is just like all right it's time for your bath yeah. It's time for your bath. Yeah, he tells him, like, go take yeah. your Yeah, like well, you tell your little, little brother that. And, and I, like
3: I can him. probably go into a little more of why that is when oh, you go yes. into the production history of this movie. Yeah. So the film was originally set to be directed by Richard Donner, Dick Donner, with the screenplay by Janice Fisher and James Jeremias and was modeled after Donner's recent hit, The Goonies, from 1985. Yes. And the film, back when they first conceived it, was envisioned to be more of a juvenile vampire adventure with like 13 and 14-year-old vampires. And the Frog Brothers uh, were supposed to be chubby eight-year-old Boy Scouts. And the character of Star, played by Jamie Gertz, was supposed to be a young boy. So Dick Donner committed to other projects, one of them being Lethal Weapon that he was also doing for Warner Brothers. He couldn't do the movie, so Joel Schumacher was approached to direct the movie. And Joel was very hesitant, hesitant Tint about the movie because Joel didn't really do children's movies so he insisted on making the movie if it was more aimed at young adults and he brought in a new screenwriter Jeffrey uh, Bohm. like to retool the script and to rage raise the ages of all the characters and he kind of just wanted to make a cool teenage vampire movies which is. Pretty interesting, because when you look at the history of vampire movies, I mean, I can't really think of a teenage vampire movie off the top of my head before Lost Boys that was anything like this.
1: Can you think of anything, Billy? Nothing comes to mind. I mean, all the vampire movies before Lost Boys, everybody was older. You you think about things like Dracula, uh, Blackula, The Hunger, you know, they all come off much older. Yeah, for sure. And even like Salem's Lot was a scary vampire movie. Yeah,
2: wasn't there
3: exactly. little kid vampires in that? The, and there, there was, was little, there was little kid vampires in that too. Yeah, yeah. like pre-teen, teen pre teen vampire yeah. like one. I was,
2: I was gonna say I can think of like kid kid vampire movies. There's, isn't it like a Jonathan Lipnicki like littlest vampire? The littlest vampire. Yeah, that mm-hmm. idea is so weird to me. Yeah, kid vampires. And was this movie going to be aimed at children? Yeah. It would have just been like a like a weird like Disney Nickelodeon kind of like. I mean, would have would have been something like movie? would it have
3: been something like Monster Squad?
2: Yeah, but none of those kids
3: were vampires. They were like vampire hunters. They were vampire mm. hunters. They were monster yeah, hunters. Yeah. Well, obviously Joel didn't think that idea would work. Good on you. So Joel Schumacher he retooled the script, and what we got was Lost Boys. And then when you add Joel Schumacher into the mix, like because he had just done Saint Almost Fire, and just Joel is a very theatrical director. Mm-hmm. Like he just really knows how to put on a show. Sure. And um, he had not done flatliners yet, right? That yes, was next? I think that was his next movie after this.
2: And he kept Kiefer for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Julia. And yeah, and you're right. If you catch certain mo- moments of this movie, you can still see the remnants of that previous script. I think that they probably just ended up keeping the family unit from that script of a of a single recently divorced mother uh-huh. moving to. Yeah. Santa Carla not not Santa Cruz not Santa Cruz that she's like recently divorced and she goes and lives with her father sure and that's kind of that's probably like the structure of that original script uh
0: uh-huh.
2: mm-hmm. and then they encounter like <laughs> The kid vampires. Kid
0: vampires.
1: (laughs) So weird.
3: It'd be fascinating to read the script if it ever floats on, like, ends up online
2: somewhere.
1: Get your hands on, like, a first draft just to see what that could have been.
3: It's got to be floating
2: around Reddit somewhere. Listeners, find us a link. Has anybody been to the Santa Cruz boardwalk? We have not.
1: (laughs) No, it is a goal.
2: (laughs) I've been there, but it's been like 20 years. Like it was like literally. 24. We
3: were discussing that probably the Santa Cruz Boardwalk now is just very ultra sanitized. It's probably like the Santa Monica Boardwalk that it's just so family friendly now, and you really don't get a gutter punk vibe to it <laughs> like this anymore.
2: I don't know. I haven't been in so long. We'd have to. I don't we, know. Yeah, we'd have to find out exactly what happened to it. But it's probably very different from uh, from how it is here. I don't. I don't know that they're like. Uh, Adult soft rock bands playing like on the sand. Yeah. On a, on
1: a given night. <laughs> you mean it's not littered with 80s punks wearing leather jackets <laughs> and foot high mohawks? You know, that I love those. Montage. I, love, I
3: love that beginning montage. It's my favorite scene of the movie. Oh, it's
2: yeah. so cool because it's clearly just like they went out to the streets of Santa Cruz and were just like, shoot it. Just find mm-hmm. me some weirdos. Show me who lives on this beach.
1: When they do a really good job of grabbing you right from the beginning because you get that tracking shot over the water, Mm -hmm. and immediately you're into Cry Little Sister. And it's just like, oh.
3: Well, (laughs) yeah. In, like, the first five minutes of this goddamn movie, you set up your antagonist, you set up that they're vampires, and then you set up uh, Sam and Michael.
0: Yeah. And their
3: mom. It's just like, that is the first five minutes of the movie.
1: And it's done really smoothly as well. Like, I feel like so many movies now take so much time trying to introduce their characters. Yeah. You spend so much time on that. When you've got something like Lost Boys, just this is how it's done. Yeah.
0: I, uh,
2: I thought it was interesting as a kid, but also frustrating. But now I can see that it's like an artistic choice. That that first scene of the movie... Or that you don't see the vampires. Yeah. That you don't know who's ripping the roof off this car. You know, you don't see who's doing it. You don't see you don't see them flying or there's not shots of them just like flying around with their arms out, you know, flapping their wings or anything. But as a kid, I'm just like, what the hell, man? Like I wanna see
1: you know, you want the visual. But like now it's this cool choice. Yeah, the idea is there. Yeah. You might know who the vampire is, but it could be anyone. And part of that
3: choice was that this was a very modest movie for Warner Brothers and they just couldn't afford it. So that's sort of how they had to work around with it. And I think it's pretty successful. Yeah.
1: Special effects at the time probably would have been kind of weird. And I think I read somewhere that this movie filmed in like three weeks. Holy shit. Three weeks. (laughs) Holy shit. That's insane. It's insane (laughs) that the movies is. As good as it is. Yeah. I mean, they got
3: some crazy talent to do this movie. The director of photography, Michael Chapman, who worked with Scorsese a lot, he shot goddamn Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. They got an early Thomas Newman to do the score. Yeah. And it's just, it's a very elevated movie about young people.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think the movie was probably pretty tight once they got to filming. It went through so many different iterations. Yeah. Script form, directors.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This was also one of the first times that I had seen a vampire movie. And again, it's been around for so long that I was so young when I first saw it. But to me, it was just such a um, – it was interesting to see vampires that could like – they would walk as human in one scene and then they would do that. They would vamp out yeah. essentially yeah and have the like the buffy vampire face which is
1: a big inspiration for Joss Whedon and yeah. why he used something mm-hmm. yeah. exactly like that in Buffy yeah
2: and um the makeup the makeup is really interesting as a kid though again i keep going back to like me as a kid watching this but you know the first time you see something really influences how you remember it you know what i mean like it's i always think about if uh if you hear a cover of a song first and then you hear the original after so many times people are just like, well, I like the cover version better. Well, that's the first one you heard, but like the original so much better. Um, but so like to me as a kid, I just remember thinking like, it would have been just cool to see Kiefer as a vampire, just looking like himself because he was so like, so hot. It's like young, like 21 year old Kiefer Sutherland, you know, but I get, I get the idea of like the vamping out and having, you know, the ridges and the crazy face and all that. Um, I thought that his gang, as a kid, I was just like, I was fascinated. I was obsessed. Oh, same here. I was uh, I was repulsed. Every emotion, their costumes
3: are out of control. We should probably go into all of the <laughs> Lost Boys. Well, I mean, Marco's costume alone. Oh, my just- God. Oh, cute Marco. Oh, with that, with that long, that curly mullet. curly mullet. Played by Alex Winner. <laughs>
2: from Bill and Ted. It looks like it's just sewn into the back of his head. It, it just ha- <laughs> it's just like, he, from the neck up, he's, he's Bill S. Preston. And from the neck down, it's just like...
1: <laughs> and I feel like he's got some really good head movements in this oh, movie, yeah. too, where you can see the mullet like swing. He, he's working those yeah. extensions.
3: And he just has that beautiful <laughs> baby face, too. That Alex Winner like... Those Alex Winter bedroom eyes. He's
2: got sad eyes.
3: <laughs> oh, Alex Winter. He was another one
2: that was like a child. When he was he made probably just shy of over 18 when yeah. they got him. All of them. Uh, we can't forget um, Twister.
1: Jamie Gertz. Square Pegs. Jamie Gertz. Yes. She's oh. so good. Mm-hmm. When, Star. When Star burst onto the scene, it, I thought that's all I ever wanted is some just wispy. Oh, my God. <laughs> just hippie woman. Yes. Ugh. She's just
2: wearing these, like, gypsy, like, skirts. Yes. I feel like
1: something that everyone does really well in this film is they they kind of stare into your soul, you know, a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
2: But what, what a choice, though, too, like, to go for Jamie Gertz as, like, the... Kind of half vampire, like ethereal. She's
3: like the windy figure of the Lost Boys. Yes. Too. Yeah, too. Yeah. If we're gonna, if we're gonna kind of go with uh, J. M. Barry imagery or themes, yeah. she's the windy of these boys.
1: And I think in, if it's not maybe the original script, they all had Lost Boys names oh, from okay. J. M. Barry. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, interesting. And there's like. Uh, kind of flyers throughout the movie when there's, when they're at the boardwalk for missing children. So that's kind of a theme that's kept up all throughout.
2: They set that up in the, in the montage Mm -hmm. of the act of the footage of actual, like people of Santa Cruz. They like drop in the, you know,
3: so Joel said on the commentary that his original idea was like a surf blonde, like a, like this wafy girl that just hung out on the beach. And Jamie Gertz had made uh that crazy apocalypse movie with Jason Patrick. Uh Solar Babies. Solar Babies, and they had also <laughs> done some stage work. And yeah. he brought her onto the movie. Yeah. Well, so he suggested her yeah. to Joel
2: heavily. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's an interesting choice. She's like she's got dark hair. Like in the eighties, you know, like I feel like Blonde was where it was at. Yeah, you know? Like a Daryl Hannah type. Yeah. Um, so Jamie Gertz Like Yeah And she's just She's really good Like her performance Is kind of It's a little It's a little wacky But <laughs> I mean It's a wacky movie too yeah. But it's a wacky movie. Her Yeah Her little intro With Michael Her little meet cute Is amazing um, Oh yeah we've, we've got a little bit Of that Where, where are you? If you want your air I'll do it What's your
0: name Star Oh you're a bitch too huh? What do you mean Egg I came this close to being called Moonbeam. a woodchuck, Something like that. But Star is great. I like Star. Me too. I'm Michael. Mike. Michael's great. I like Michael.
2: She's using her throat voice throughout this entire mm-hmm. movie. Star. <laughs> Just that line. Michael's good. I like Michael. I like Michael. When we saw this... At Cinespia, at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, mm-hmm. people lost their mind when he <laughs> he asked yeah. her name. And she said, we did at least. Star. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everybody just like, woo. <laughs> we laughed at that. But it was, oh, she's great. We yeah. love Jamie Gertz from Square Pegs. Have Have you seen any uh, Square Pegs so I, with, I with Sarah seen. Jessica Parker? <laughs> and
3: it's funny because how she's used on Square Pegs. She's a very teacher's pet, uptight. Yeah girl that's always like she's very strictly by the rules Yeah, she's always talking about their adopted orphan from Guatemala, Guatemala.
2: Rosarita Rosarita yeah um, that show's really great that was a that was a, uh, a launching board for many young stars mm-hmm. of the 80s it's such a time capsule it looks like Party City like 80s Halloween costume wall like
3: and, but it was really made in the eighties.
0: But it everyone, like, do they make this now?
3: Look super fucking rad, though. In it, though. Yeah, they
2: do. They look. Really I think weird.
1: somehow Square Pegs just kind of passed me by. Yeah, you know, I, did, I don't, I don't quite know how that happened. But like I was, I mean, eighties television, Family Matters. There were so many good shows. Yeah. you know, I was uh, going to say Fam- I don't know
2: how I came across Family Matters. Something, Family it. Ties. Family well, Ties. I came Peaky. home with the. But Family Matters is also great. Urkel, It is, Yeah, I came home with <laughs> <Come> it on <laughs> DVD. <laughs> yeah. I, but the thing, the thing is, it's, like, it's from 82. In 1982, yeah. I wasn't watching TV. I was watching, like, Mom's Boob. You, like, like <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I must have caught it. It must have been my older sister. We had to have been watching it, and it must have been. You know what it was? Uh, the Orange County Cable Access, KDOC, in Southern California would show cool shit. They would show the first, like, three seasons of SNL like with Bill Murray and Gilda Radner and Dan Aykroyd, like weeknights at like 6 p.m. And so we would watch that. They would show Letterman reruns, and and I'm pretty sure that's where we would watch Score Pegs. So my sister and I were just watching weird late 70s and early 80s TV in like the late 80s on public access. Interesting shaped my life yeah if
1: 82 (laughs) yeah then i guess it makes sense why it kind of passed me yeah exactly and
2: i don't remember it ever being on reruns
1: you know not in la at least there are a couple shows that people talk about from the 80s that i've just never seen like square peg silver spoons
2: now i do i am old enough for silver spoons
1: Spoons. Oh,
2: that's oh man that's got ricky schroeder rick call us (laughs) we've got a seat waiting for you babe you're our next guest all right, so we've got Star, we've got uh, Alex Winter, we've got Alex Winter is Sutherland, Marco, Keith or
3: Sutherland is David. Um, with just this beautiful bleached out mullet, <laughs> I mean, I've had well, my I've had my hair bleached out before, and I definitely know what it's like to get hair that white.
2: Don't you think Alex Winter is just like a toehead? He's just as blonde in Bill and Ted.
3: Oh well, no, I'm talking about Kiefer Sutherland.
2: Oh, Kiefer. Kiefer's hair is almost white. That is white. That, that, that is bleached that will out. definitely right. Sorry. that
3: yeah. will definitely burn your scalp and make you mm-hmm. shed a tear. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is also uh, Billy Worth, who was a male model at the time. He plays Duane. He's the the one with the flowing raven hair. Ah, The, the one part. with, like, the f- supermodel face. Sure. And then there is Brooke McCarter as Paul. And Brooke is the blonde with the straight hair. Yes.
1: With that big, like, 80s rocker hair. Yes. Yes, he yes. definitely
3: has, like, a hair metal haircut. Yeah,
1: for sure. Who we lost not that long ago. Yes, right? he died in 2015. 2015, mm-hmm. yeah, he's gone. Oh. I feel like all of these
3: guys kind of work the rounds of comic book conventions, too. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Keither.
2: No, Kiefer but, yeah. is not doing comic mm-hmm. book conventions.
3: He's got that 24 cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's syndication money. Yes, exactly. And, yeah, I just remember being a little kid and just being fascinated with all of these guys just because they're, they're introduced as the cool bad boys. Yeah. And the whole like struggle with Michael is you want to fit in with them. It's like the theme of like peer pressure. Like you want to get in with the cool kids. The interesting thing though, is that like no kids ever
2: dress like this. This is not real style. This is like, you know, the stylist of the movie, like doing, making a choice.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at The Lost Boys versus someone like Michael, who's yeah. very toned down. Oh, yeah. The whole movie, he's just wearing blue jeans, a white T-shirt. Yeah. About the most, like, he gets to them is a leather jacket.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he specifically goes out to, like, to buy. And that's a cool leather jacket. It's not quite a motorcycle jacket, but it's, like, it's getting there. Um, but, yeah, these guys, if, I mean, those jackets just have, like pins and studs and tassels and like it's very like
1: neo-punk it's, oh it's yeah. Like, yeah,
2: yeah yeah for sure and then who's uh the littlest vampire there's the little L- laddie. laddie laddie and laddie's full-on wearing like a drum major like oh yeah <laughs> like a full-on like circus he looks like a timothy from like dumbo like yeah. drum, you know
1: slightly oversized
2: yeah yeah that's an interesting. Like they don't really ever talk about Laddie and like what the deal is. Just kind I take of it left that I take it, it that he
3: sort of came with Star. Well, she's taking care of him at
2: least. Yeah, yeah, I
1: feel like they. I feel like they got Star to take care of Laddie. Yeah, but Laddie's also only half. Mm-hmm. So Star, Michael, and Laddie are only half vampires. Yeah, I, rewatching this movie for the millionth time. Yeah. <laughs> The the passage of time in this film is very unclear. Is, sure. it,
3: is it a is it a long
1: weekend? Is it a month? Is it a, is it like a year? I don't know. Well, you go from the scene where he's you know chasing after David on his motorcycle, yeah. and it's just and then. You know, when he falls through the mist onto his bed, he's right. wearing the same clothing. He's dirty, but then he has this conversation with his mother, and she's like, "You sleep all day, you're gone all night." It's like, but how? Oh, yeah. It's one night. Is it <laughs> has this been has this been happening for several nights? Yeah. So the yeah the time is very unclear in this film.
3: It's like the end of it's like the end of the summer. It's like a mid August set movie. Yeah, she keeps threatening school.
1: Things are going to change when school. Starts.
2: Oh yeah, and is he going to college?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Is it college? I think. Is it an undercover it? cop situation? Is he going to high school? Is he?
3: <laughs> is he? Is he actually a narc? I don't is this know. The, is
1: this a
2: Jump Street kind of a situation? It's a, you have to tie into Jump Street.
1: <laughs>
3: I love that.
2: Um, this house that they live in with uh,
3: Grandpa. I mean, you kind of are shocked from this house, but I mean, I kind of grew up in around I mean, houses like this, so I find it. Very normal, just to be walking around and seeing. Now that I've been to your a live-size uh, lion mount, a yeah. whole like wall of just uh, antler sheds.
2: After spending time at Lori and Don's, I feel like I'm fully accustomed to the amount of taxidermy in in this house. I
3: knew taxidermists growing up too, so I yeah. definitely knew what it was like to walk through the garage and seeing like a skull uh, sitting in like a. Like bleach or something to take off all of the when they open those the skin when yep. they open
2: those French doors mm-hmm. and we see Grandpa's like taxidermy. Room, oh, I love Grandpa! It's lit so crazy. Yeah, there's some scenes in this movie that are lit
1: like just ridiculous. You got a whole scene that's just bathed. In yeah, like I mean, way too good. Yeah, I mean, this
3: movie doesn't need to look as good as it does. I mean, they got Scorsese's camera guy. Yeah
2: and this taxidermy scene as a kid not knowing what that is i'm just like what is going on
3: what is this room why is there like red lights everywhere and you see um like a uh, taxidermy without the fur or skin on it uh-huh. and it just looks super creepy you see like the little bulging eyes oh sure yeah yeah
1: and like the form interesting i mean i'm kind of with sam on this it's it's creepy i don't want <laughs> i don't want it in my room
3: what did he keep giving what did he give him the first thing that he gave him It's like a a little mountain, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe that is a golden marmot. Ah. That is like a rock chuck. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and Grandpa, I love this
2: note that Grandpa keeps giving him stuff, and he keeps just like putting in the closet, (laughs) or just like, nope. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm. I'm. uh, You're out of here. Okay, the Grandpa from Blossom. Yeah, he's the Grandpa. He was Buzz in Blossom. Love him in this movie. (laughs) Really, (laughs) you
3: should play Grandpa's opening scene because it's it's also one of my favorite scenes of the movie.
0: Is it true that uh, Santa Carla the murder capital of the world? Well, there are some bad elements around here. Wait a second, let me get this straight. Are you telling me that we moved to the murder capital of the world? A serious, Grandpa? Well, now let me put it this way. If all the corpses buried around here was to stand up all at once, we'd have one hell of a population problem. Great, Dad. Now, on Wednesdays, when the mailman brings a TV guide... Sometimes the dress label is curled up just a little like that. Now you'll be tempted to tear it off. Don't. You'll only wind up ripping the cover, and I don't like that. And stay out of here. Wait, wait. You have a TV? No. i just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. You don't need a TV.
3: Oh. Oh, it cut off. It cut off. Oh, well.
2: You read the TV guide, you don't need TV. I love the TV guide. We used to have a subscription
3: and would you ever <laughs> and would you ever want to pull off the sticker? No. Cuz then you would rip it.
2: You'd rip the whole front. I mean, the sticker was a pain in the butt because it covered, you know, stuff, but they put a little box there for the sticker. They built it into the, you know, to the to the cover. We okay. We growing up, our grandmother lived with us, and so we had a subscription to the TV guide that came to the house once a week with your National Enquirer. With the National Enquirer. Uh, grandma. <laughs> Love it. She loved the crosswords. But she also loved the horoscopes. And then
3: you could catch up on like your um Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson cover stories Let that were s- always on that were always on the Enquirer. Let me tell you this. I read the TV guide articles because the whole front like that was
2: a section in the front of articles. Full color, fabulous mm-hmm. color photos. TV Guide was the shit, and it did. He's right; it had the descriptions of every episode. Yeah, of whatever TV. show
1: you wanted to watch, you'd go and they'd give you a description yeah. of that episode. I loved it;
2: it was so cool. Yeah. And now TV Guide's like a magazine size; it's magazine yeah, format, which is yeah. so
3: interesting. And it probably only comes out weekly, or no, uh, no, probably like monthly. monthly. Yeah.
1: You mean like Entertainment Weekly? Yeah, Entertainment Monthly.
3: monthly. <laughs>
2: it's going to be Entertainment Quarterly pretty soon.
1: <laughs> EQ Just just entertainment <laughs>
2: Yeah I love TV Guide Grandpa's absolutely right But I mean I wouldn't be satisfied with just the TV Guide I also like the TV Guide uh, Because their crossword puzzle Okay Hardness Crossword puzzle wise It goes Okay Choirs is at the bottom I could only handle the people Then people Yep Then TV Guide <laughs> And then straight up New York Times <laughs> <laughs> I could do I could do a TV guy
3: crossword puzzle People magazine's crosswords would be like Lost Boys actor, first name Keither <laughs> Like, <laughs> fill in the last name <laughs>
2: Well, you know I, I'm not a crossword puzzle Aficionado by any means, but I could do a TV guy
3: um, This scene Very uh, smartly Sets up Grandpa As sort of a red hang- herring character You know that this is someone That has a lot of information for the story that uh, he knows way more about Santa Carla than yeah. uh, these main characters do. Yeah. So he's just always there.
1: Yeah, and I thought about mm-hmm. going back when I watched it this time around, knowing that information, yeah. looking to see if Grandpa ever went out at night. And he does. Yeah. that Maybe that would have been a dead giveaway. Sure, yeah.
3: sure. So he's just sort of this red herring of the movie that you kind of think in your back pocket, could it be Grandpa? I don't know. Could Grandpa be the head vampire? <laughs> I remember kind of thinking that when I first watched it. Sure. Do you think that there's He's going like, off on these mystery dates? There's like this badass backstory with like Grandpa being a vampire hunter.
2: Has Grandpa encountered uh, Her- Edward Herman in the past? Do I they don't have know? A because
3: there is that scene where uh, are you having company for dinner, and then he. There's a shot of him in the doorway looking at him.
1: Yeah. Okay. He's watching from afar. And yeah. he has like his like medical
3: his medical thing with the, like the, the big circle.
1: Doctor yeah. Yeah. metal circle. And he's got the sliding doors and so, he's watching and he closed the So grappa kinda yeah. knows.
0: Yeah.
2: Interesting. This whole thing about the head vampire. All right. Okay. So we gotta talk about vampire rules. Cause this movie has a lot of vampire rules, and I think this might have been the first time I was introduced to inviting them in. And then, I feel like
3: I knew that going into it.
2: Yeah, but I mean, in 1987, I was nine, so I didn't have that many vampire rules in my <laughs> in my notebook.
1: But vampire rules are so yeah, so out there yeah. in what they're going to follow and what they're not going to follow. I mean, if you go back to like old like Bram Stoker Dracula, mm-hmm. there's there's even a rule and they don't really address it too much in any of the films, but in the book they address it briefly of uh, vampires uh, crossing running water.
2: Ah. Like
0: that came oh, no. Sure.
2: And I know the well I I feel like you know some of the explanation for like reflections is because like mirrors used to be backed with silver. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um can you talk to us Billy about this whole head vampire half vampire situation and where you see that? Cuz I feel like this might be one of the only places
1: Yeah, the As far as like the head vampire, like the rules established with the head vampire, I've never seen that before or after in any sort of vampire lore. Usually something like this is associated with werewolves. You kill the werewolf that turned you and you're set free from the curse. Yeah. Never been used with vampires before. So I found that really interesting. Yeah. I've got some. My one bone to pick with this movie is I don't like flying vampires. Sure. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like to think of my vampires flying around like Superman. Yeah. Yeah. And not asked me, she's like, well, what if they turn into a bat? I'm like, I'm good with that. Can't, yeah, that's okay. Can't Lestat
2: fly? Lestat can fly. He can fly. In an interview? Yeah, but he's like the only one.
3: Yeah. Or can he just sort of like jump really high and he just kind of floats there?
1: No, I think he can fly. I think he can straight up fly. We just recently yeah. did a full rewatch of True Blood. Ah. And Eric just flies around constantly. Like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's every time it just, it drives me nuts. That's
3: also just kind of lazy screenwriting too.
0: Yeah.
2: There was a shot in True Blood with Evan Rachel Wood. When she had like this vampire fight with somebody, and they did this weird thing where she, like, oh. Flew up straight up and it was like,
1: whoa, wire work. (laughs) It was a, it was a a season finale where she was fighting Bill. Yeah. It was this weird slow motion Matrix thing where they both went up and got into like fighting stance. Fighting stance, yeah. Yeah, It was so weird.
2: I'll never forget how odd that looked. it's very strange. Yeah. The only other time uh, I remember a head vampire situation is in the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode. Yes. Which is is the Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. And you got to kill the head vampire, and they thought it was Mr. Burns, but it was actually Grandpa? I think it was Grandpa. I think it was Grandpa. (laughs) Yeah. Because they killed Mr. Burns, but it didn't turn back uh, Bart, and it was because Grandpa was actually the head vampire. Um, Was that not a thing in Salem's Lot? No. I don't remember. I don't... Is it in... uh, I mentioned it earlier. uh, Fright Night. Night. I think they mentioned something about it in that...
1: They mention it to yeah. save Ed, yeah, a, and then his, yeah. later his girlfriend, the girl,
2: yeah, Marcy Darcy, from <laughs> Married with Children. You know what?
1: <laughs> you know what? Yes, I now thinking yeah. about because it does work. Yeah, when they kill him, mm-hmm. she turns she human. Turns back. Yeah, you're, Ed, you're right about that. Yeah,
2: we can't. Well, talk. I know there's not that many. We can't talk too much about
3: Fright Night because I have a feeling. I have booked a guest for Fright Night, Ooh. so we will be talking about it eventually.
1: Okay. You know, you know I get jealous any time you guys talk about vampires. I about them, know. Right? <laughs> and I know I can't be on every vampire episode, but I do sit in my car and I scream at my phone sometimes.
2: <laughs> when we're not getting the deets right. <laughs> that's why I wanted to talk about that, because I know that's such like, that rule in particular, it sticks out in this movie, yeah. because it's such and, a big plot point. And you
1: are right, yeah. The, the the Fright Night thing is like one of the only other yeah. times on, in film mm-hmm. that I can think of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh.
2: Other than that, they seem to follow some basic vampire garlic. rules. Garlic, you can't invite
3: them in the house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Paul tells him that garlic don't do shit.
3: Right
2: when
1: he when he throws the garlic water at him, yeah, and he's like, garlic don't do shit. And he said, holy, holy water. water. So the the garlic, they're just going on a hunch in this yeah. film, yeah,
2: because they feed garlic to Edward Herman, yeah, yes. and he eats it. He's raw garlic, and he's just like, oh, it's just
3: it's a lot because it's raw. But he's not like repulsed by it. Or anything. You could see Edward Herman's reflection though. Can you? So maybe the rules are a little different. We'll see the rules for head vampires
1: might be different there for head vampires yeah. because he does tell them that you lose all power when you invite them in.
2: Oh sure. So and he was invited. So maybe yeah.
1: Paul specifically says the thing about the garlic, but as far as the reflection, I take that from him being invited in. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay.
3: Interesting.
1: Maybe they weren't sure of the rules. When yeah. <laughs> I love that
3: Edward Herman in this movie is like a small business owner. <laughs> I mean he's doing quite well for himself. Your dream job owning the video my, store. My on dream a, job that he, he walks around in like cotton cotton suits those like Miami Vice linen, style yeah. linen suits so those like shouldered power suits. Oh man. Yeah.
2: He's got some like shoulder pad, like duster coats, but that are so
1: 80s. The fashion in this film. Oh, my God. And like thinking about his small business and just his life in general, what is his life? When they invite, when he invites her back to his house for dinner later in the film, I, I wrote, there's so much neon in his house.
3: Yeah. Oh, my God. And he has Thorn. Yes. The Hounds of Hell. Hounds of hell. <laughs> I like that of when you're a vampire, you have a, a ferocious dog to protect you. Yeah. yeah. I buy that. Well, that's you got to a- have somebody there all day, you
2: know?
1: You got to have a daytime protector. You're, you're vulnerable. Yeah. Well, that's straight out of Dracula as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Is he in a coffin in that house during the day? We don't know.
3: No, I think that he has like a nice in a bed.
1: He's got silk shat- satin sheets. Satin satin has, like, sheets. Satin he has like he has
0: like a
3: bedroom. Yeah, he has like a bedroom sure furnished by like yeah. the sharper yeah. image or something.
1: Oh yeah, I mean look at the rest of his house. He definitely does He's waterbed very of the mm-hmm. times. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, I don't know if a vampire would risk a waterbed though. There's a lot of sharp stuff going on. Yeah, what if he has a bad dream rolls <laughs> over a fang punctures <laughs> yeah. its whole thing? or like nails? Those you nails. never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the idea is that Michael and Sam come to Santa Carla, and to them, Santa Carla is just like this little podunk beach town. And like you said, Michael's a little bit more subdued. They move he's, from Phoenix. He's just, you know, a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. He's got his cool Ray-Bans when,
3: like, he gets a little bit more vamped it's out. A very, he has a very, like, Brando yeah. quality about him. He's got, like, the... Or maybe maybe a little so Jim from
1: Rebel Without a Cause. Well, he's got this very like cocky kind of half smile. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And um, and Sam being like
3: this young
2: teenager. Oh, we, we need to talk about Sam. Oh my God, oh,
1: there's there's so much to there's unpack. So I feel much. like Sam is probably oh the reason
3: why we're doing this <laughs> movie on this show.
2: <laughs> okay, so, I mean Sam's bedroom alone, but okay. So Sam is kind of introduced as like a fashion victim. That's what right. they say. He's specifically fashion called a fashion he's, victim by He's the, called out as that by one of the and Brock Brothers. Like
3: he dresses in like these pastel dusters. Yeah, he's also wearing linen yeah.
2: like overcoats. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that first time we see him in the comic shop, he's wearing this like beachwear trench coat. Yeah. It's insane.
2: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I guess the idea is okay, we're going to the boardwalk. That's where all the kids are. So I'm going to wear like my coolest outfit or whatever. But he fully has a pompadour. Like, no teenager in the 80s besides Ducky had this hair. Like, it is such a choice. Yeah. That pompadour is like. Such a choice, and it's like he is sitting in this bathroom with like with a, a, a round brush and a blow dryer because <laughs> that's the only way you're gonna get that pompadour. It was with this round brush curling it in and like making this duck's ass like haircut. It's it's amazing. I love
3: it. His bedroom is out of control. You get that. You get that beefcake photo of Rob Lowe. <laughs> oh yeah, the the Rob Lowe poster. The, Roblo the Roblo poster. Rob Lowe with the abs poster. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay, and, so there's a Molly Ringwald poster. And Rob Lowe had just done uh, St. Elmo's Fire he with Joel. Done, yeah. So, that, so Joel says that that's his
2: nod to Rob Lowe because he was a breakout star in that movie and was so huge, you know, as a teen heartthrob. So we're going to include this image.
3: Uh, side note, we just rewatched a little bit of St. Elmo's Fire. Uh, that movie is insane. And I would recommend to go bananas. back and revisit it because it is bananas. Yeah, and I don't think I've watched that movie <laughs> in
1: 20 plus
3: years.
2: It's yeah. It's so oh, crazy. Go back and revisit okay. it. It's such a product of its time. It's got like <laughs> the whole premise is that they're a year out of
3: college. They're like so They're like 24 years they're old. They're
2: 23 maybe. And like half of them have established careers and the other half are like waiting tables and like being rock musicians. And it is so like capitalist, like money, like obsessed. The whole idea is that, like, you need to focus on your career. And if you're 25 and are not like a hedge fund broker or married to one, then you just wasted your you're whole just life. You're just a trash person with Wablo. Yeah. You're playing your sacks at like the dive bar. It. Is crazy. The values of this movie are so, like, ugh, out of this world. Different time. Mm-hmm. Reagan era, man. Yeah. But um, back to Sam. He's... Okay. So he's got this relationship with Michael, because...
3: You always notice this from movies around this time. Very touchy-feely sibling relationships. These
2: kids are very handsy.
1: Yeah. They're running yeah. down the stairs... Pushing each other, touching each other, yeah, they're arms like, around each other, yeah, arms like hanging off of each other, especially yeah. when Grandpa's giving them the tour. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah they're yeah. so close, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. physically.
2: Goonies yeah, just... was a lot like that too. Those kids are really handsy with each other,
3: um, but yeah, I don't know. That's just a uh... it very much comes off like family dick now. <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> if you know, like, like the gay <laughs> porn family, family dick. But yeah, <laughs> do yourself a favor. <laughs>
0: If you
2: know, you know. Um, so Sam eventually makes it to the uh, the Boardwalk comic book shop because we have to introduce the Frog Brothers. Um, the other Corey, uh, Feldman, who I cannot get over Corey Feldman's line delivery in this movie.
1: Oh, yeah. This, he's very like... Ugh, everything's it's, so deep.
2: Is he just doing, like, so a, a Stallone impression the entire
0: time? Well, I
1: read somewhere that Schumacher basically told him he wanted his character to be an amalgamation of all those 80s action heroes. So he told him his homework was to go home okay. to, to watch Schwarzenegger Stallone and just right. be that guy. And man, does he deliver with the headband and the yeah, the, the, this intensity when he delivers all of his lines. Yeah, because the cl-
2: the the clothing is one thing. It's like okay, these yeah, guys well, that's,
1: that's costume design. Yeah, that's, I get that. Yeah, yeah,
2: and I love the idea that they're okay. They're brothers. They don't look like brothers, but they're brothers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I love the idea that I'm assuming their parents are the sleeping stoners, the two
1: stoners, yeah. <laughs> which i think i might have only noticed oh, for the yeah. first time like a couple years oh, ago yeah, totally. but or
2: i like, i knew they were there but i never put two and two together that
3: well they obviously own this place
2: yeah. because the frog brothers how would
3: they own it but them? i like I to think, think that like the frog brothers are doing the books and making yeah. sure all the taxes are paid <laughs> yeah, making I've, sure like their leases like paid on time yeah.
1: <laughs> i've got so many questions about yeah. the frog brothers like, one of the things that popped out to my mind today when you watch this movie with like a, an analytical yeah, eye yeah. things become so much more clear like I thought about it the, the comic book shop and he gives them the destroy all vampires yeah. kill all vampires comic book and he's like if you need us you can reach us our phone numbers on the back I'm like who's distributing the these comics, the comics k- for the Frog yeah. Brothers they're full color comics <laughs> who's the writer who's the artist did Alan write yeah. Is Edgar the artist like <laughs> is this
2: a zine did they just yeah. make this themselves yeah. a local <laughs> thing <laughs> and
1: everybody in Santa Carla has the number for these vampire killers." yeah <laughs>
2: Who is your distributor? What's their rate? Yeah, it's it's that kind of <laughs> stuff is kind of insane. But it's great. I mean, the, their whole thing is that they see Sam and they're just like, oh, here's like this big city like chump that we're going to like make a fool of. But he actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to like these comics, right? Because he kind of puts them in their place with like this this whole Superman thing that he – I have that clip. Oh, you have the clip. Let's see
0: got a problem guys just scope in your civilian wardrobe pretty cool huh for a fashion victim listen buddy if you're looking for the diet frozen yogurt bar went out of business last summer actually I'm looking for a Batman number 14 that's a very serious book man only 5 in existence 4 actually I'm always looking out for the other 3 look you can't put the Superman number seventy sevens with the two hundreds. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number ninety eights with the three hundreds. Lori the Mars hasn't even been introduced. Where the hell are you from? Krypton. <laughs> Phoenix, actually. But lucky me, we moved here.
2: The diet frozen yogurt bar. Just <laughs> the, the line <laughs> delivery. Phoenix,
1: actually. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean the
3: Corys sort of ruled the eighties at this time.
1: Well, this is the first two Corys film. Yeah, be- mm-hmm.
3: yeah, the first one with them together. Did you ever watch the Lifetime made-for-television movie about the Corys? Oh, yes. Because we have <laughs> definitely. So we thought that angle of it was interesting because it's it's obviously like taken from Corey Feldman's book. So Corey is very much portrayed as like the naive one. That yeah. just sort of yeah. gets corrupted by Corey Haim, which, do you
1: really think that was the case? Oh, not at all. I mean, yeah. there were rumors about drug use on the set and Schumacher making him go back to his hotel and just yeah. yeah. it off.
2: Yeah, that's insane. Um, you know what else is insane? That uh, the previous work that Corey Haim had done to this movie was Lucas. Yeah. He yeah. is like a small child in Lucas. Yeah. Like a little boy And that was a year before this That's insane Cause I mean we talked about Feldman already And like his like progression From where he came from to this movie But I mean When you're a kid man Between 12 and 13 That's like a big change Like When you're a kid and you see Like your parents, friends or whatever or, Like older relatives I haven't seen in a while And they're like You've grown And you're all shut like, up Shut up. <laughs> But really though You did it <laughs> <laughs> You grew a lot especially around that age and we saw it here but um yeah i i feel like the, this little dynamic between the three of them it's fun the frog brothers or this whole idea of them being like they just they're not only like vampire hunters they they fucking hate vampires
1: they're yeah. just like oh,
2: yeah. fuck you you like ruining our town
1: <laughs> well the indoctrination in this film is like for everyone for sam and mm-hmm. for michael like as soon as michael is kind of in that world with the with the vampires. They immediately challenge him, and he's just kind of brought to their level so yeah. quickly. And the same thing with Sam in this scene with the in the comic shop. They kind of size him up, and then they're immediately like, "Watch out for vampires!" Yeah. They, this film really wastes no time, and that's also why I think the passage of time in this film is kind of muddy. Sure,
2: you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting, um, but yeah, I mean, it all goes it all goes down on this boardwalk. This is where like Sam meets his allies. This is where Michael meets you know s- Star. Andy meets uh, what is Kiefer's character's name? David. 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 Yeah. Where we meet David and and you know the Lost Boys. This whole like okay, he's got like a dirt bike and they've got motorcycles. I I mean I grew up in the city. So we did not have any teenagers on motorcycles. I don't know how different it is out in sticks, but a dirt bike is one thing. Yeah. But like just teens riding around on motorcycles. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'd be back home in Mississippi. I had a dirt bike when I yeah. was a teenager, but I, my group of friends weren't riding around on motorcycles. No. 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 And, and like, also, could you imagine being a teenager and you could
3: afford like... A hog. Well, that's what I'm Two. saying. It's
2: like your parents buying you this
1: motor. But know.
3: that's it. I think what's interesting about the Lost Boys, too, is that how long do you think that they've been vampires? You right. know, too.
1: That also occurred to me. They don't. I never really questioned it, but they don't seem very old. No, they don't not at seem all. like old vampires. They seem very of the time. Yeah. Because a lot of times in in vampire lore, they have a hard time adapting to the changing time. Yeah. I mean, and they're very 80s. They're yeah. Of this. Yeah. Maybe time. they
3: were bitten like the late
1: 70s. Yeah, see, I see them being like 60s 70s yeah. for sure. Yeah.
2: But David's hair. That mullet so 80s.
1: I mean all of their
2: hair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah all
1: their hair. Marco, Paul. I mean maybe they Marco, just got them maybe they just been. got them
3: outside of like a Twisted Sister concert. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's how Edward Herman like rounded up all of these boys. Yeah. Because that's the thing is that that it hints at that Edward Herman just this these are sort of like his kids almost. Yeah, these are his boys. Yeah. Yeah. Or do you think it was one of those things that only Keithers character knew of Edward Herman?
1: Oh, because he was like the... Because Star like said, you're,
3: you're yeah. the secret uh, David was, was trying to protect.
1: I can see that. Yeah, because up until that point, we all think that, that David's the head Yeah, yeah. Even when they try to tell us it's Max and they hint at Max and, like, yeah. oh, it's obviously not Max. Yeah, yeah.
3: Are you uh, at all familiar with, with the deleted scenes of this movie? Sadly, I am not. So we have watched the deleted scenes of this movie. There's actually... And they're completely finished scenes on the DVD. So it makes me think that they just had to get like an hour and 40 minutes and they just had to cut some stuff. But but they're pretty much finished. And also the novelization of the movie goes into Michael working as a trash collector for money to buy his leather jacket. Ah. It expands the roles of the opposing game, the surf Nazis, what? who are oh. the nameless victims
1: of the vampires. In the oh, movie. the ones who
3: steal the comic books, the ones who steal the comic books and also the ones that they're uh, listening to walk this way.
1: Yeah. The, That they eat around the bonfire? Yeah. So those are the surf
3: Nazis. And it includes several tidbits of vampire lords, such as not being able to cross running water and salt sticking to their form. So that was in the original script.
1: Ah. I got to get my hands on this novelization. Yeah. So,
3: and also. I'm obsessed with 80s movie novelizations.
1: I used to be obsessed (laughs) with novelizations.
3: I'd be like, yeah, I'm reading the book.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because they were they're based on on shooting, shooting scripts, scripts. and so there's, there's so much that yeah. cut out. <laughs> um, yeah,
3: I've always wanted to get my hands on the Poltergeist novelization because there's little subplots that they cut out of the movie
1: that ended up in the book. Yeah, I read the novelization for the second Crow film, hoping that it would make that story ultimately better.
3: I was just listening to City of Angels soundtrack today.
1: It. uh... Didn't really improve it, it too <laughs> <laughs> much. Sorry, sorry to
3: let you down. But that uh, soundtrack is fantastic. I was just listening that. I was just listening to that whole Now, cover. what is on
2: the soundtrack of? Oh, the, I was listening to the Gold Dust Woman. Gold Dust Woman. Iggy whole Pop. cover. That's great. Yeah, that okay. whole cover is great. Yeah, that was a good song. I I remember I got it because of that song.
1: And then speaking of covers, too, one of the first songs we're introduced oh, yeah. to in this film is Echo and the Bunny Man yeah. doing "People Are Strange." But yet we pay homage to. Jim Morrison everywhere yes. in this yeah. film. Yeah. It's so strange they have a that big, they're not they using have a that big, version of the film. They have a yeah. big poster. Yeah.
3: Um, Joel Schumacher says in the commentary that he reached out to Echo and the Bunnymen
1: to cover that song. I mean, maybe they just wanted somebody a little more well, of the time to n- do the...
2: What he actually said was that Ray Manzarek from The Doors was producing Echo and the Bunnymen. Oh. So he reached out to him and was like, hey, we would like to use a song. Why don't we get them to... Cover it, and Ray Manzarek said yes. He asked him specifically. It was probably a way that to do it. He
3: might go for it more if it was Echo and the Bunny Man. Yeah,
2: I always had a problem with that cover because it's just the
3: song. Yeah.
2: It's like exactly. it. Exact, I think there's, I think there's the
3: kind same, of. I think there's kind of different arrangements in the middle of it, though.
1: That's the same problem I have with uh, Africa by Weezer. Oh yeah, oh, it's the same. Yeah. Exact it's the same song. song. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. They What's did the point? Yeah, I love that how ingrained music is with films yeah. in the uh in the eighties, early nineties, even into the in even into the early two thousands. Like music was such a uh, like a pivotal point of yeah. these films. The the soundtracks were thought about. The directors were thinking yeah. about them on the on the set and there's so yeah. many great soundtracks. Sometimes soundtracks that surpass films. Oh for sure. I mean Queen of the Damned. Cool. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well um, let me tell you this about a cover, Goldest Woman Come on. Like yeah. doing something. That covers great. That stretches elevating. out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The original. Yeah. And I mean, the original is so
1: good. The the original is so good, but the whole, that whole yeah. version is, it's harder. It takes Bastard? it to a different place. Yeah. It just hits different. They make it yeah.
2: theirs. And yeah. So, so that's, that's what I feel like a cover. If you're going to bother covering a song.
1: Make it your own. Yeah.
2: Do something about it. And that was my, my big like problem with. The echo on the Bunnymen cover of "People Are Strange" because it was just like, it's
3: the same "Oh, thing. this is a cover." I kind of like the echo on the Bunnymen cover. <laughs> I'm always disappointed whenever I search the soundtrack on iTunes. You can't listen to it. Ah, no, no, it's blocked. I think you have to buy the album. Oh, that sucks. What I that surprisingly do not own this soundtrack on vinyl.
1: I don't either.
2: Well, we own a 45 of. Oh, we do. Oh shit! It's not this. This is Christopher Cross uh, Arthur's theme. Yes, we but... own a we
3: own a 45 of. Of the Lost Boys, we'll have to show it to you before where you leave. Is it? I, I mean, it somewhere. it's somewhere.
1: If we're talking about music, can we can we talk about Tim Capello? For oh a bit? yes, I, I was
3: I
2: was
1: getting there. I mean, you talk <laughs> about being introduced to to Sam's allies, to you know, to Michael's new family as yeah. vampire. You know, that's where the world was introduced to that yes. sax man.
3: Oh my goodness, he was he was Tina Turner's sax man.
1: I, I mean, even. Even as, like, a little straight boy, when you see Tim (laughs) Canella, you're like, whoa.
3: Like, that is a man. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: he is is huge. He's not necessarily ripped, but he's huge, and he's, like, oily and covered in chains. He was
2: ripped like 80s guys were ripped. He's, like, barrel-chested. He's barrel-chested. It's just that uh, Hulk Hogan kind of, like, you know, oh, my God.
1: But I feel like so many people look at that scene as, like, kind of doesn't fit maybe maybe it's funny but like Tim Capello is like a very accomplished musician yeah yeah
2: that scene is so crazy and it's just it became a meme like it's just like
3: it's lived on it's, oh, yeah. it's got legs <laughs> so good
2: and it's also 5
3: minutes long i won't play the entire thing but I'm i love the leave. crowd just losing their goddamn mind their head over it yeah
1: <laughs> Dude, their head banging just <laughs> and sacks there's alone. that
3: there's that <laughs> There's that like marquee in the back that just says live, but you yeah. know what though? I
1: feel it right now. I feel oh, it man. like it's I, it's yeah.
3: There was something <laughs> in the '80s
2: having a saxophone player in a band, in XS. and ha- in excess had a saxophone mm-hmm. player. You know, Clarence Clemens was East Street Band. You know, huge. Um, and it was just part of like if you're gonna have a rock band. You need and you want to be well rounded, you gotta have a sax. And that is just something that has fallen by the wayside <laughs> in rock music. And I mean if you're not familiar with
0: the look
1: he's wearing, he's wearing like a, a cod piece, like yeah. over like pink stretch pants. Really, like, like like almost like like he's uh you, you mentioned Hulk Hogan, almost yeah. like he's a wrestler. It's very yeah. pro it wrestler. Looks like yeah. it's fishnet mesh.
0: Yeah. But his
3: pants are. But yeah, and it's just one of those things that I remember watching this as a little kid and just feeling like I feel a little tingly somewhere and I don't know why. So he's all oiled up. He's got he's got the Michael
2: Bolton hair because it's long and flowy, but it's also male pattern baldness a little bit. <laughs> well, it's like
1: slicked back. Yeah. And you can kind of see the high yeah he's, yeah, he's got
2: like the landing strips on each side of the like the widow's peak going on, but it's and it's in a in a half pony. You know, and a high, you know, a high, low half pony in the back, and like long, and yeah, this tank, this whole like stretch pant situation. He has the
1: audience in the palm of his hand. Oh, he makes such extreme contact oh, with the man. audience members. He like manhandles that saxophone in one hand while he's pointing at people <laughs> and like he's like, "You get pumped!" <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's so, it's so extreme. This yeah. whole scene. But you know what I love it. I love it. I love yeah, it. Every it's so good. It. And I think that we just
3: have Joel to thank for that. That I think that it kind of takes a gay man to stage a scene like that. That like <laughs> Dick yeah. Donner, if he directed this movie, was not going to put that in the oh, movie. God. No. And I think also how that scene is cut. It's when they introduce Star too.
1: Oh yeah. Well, because you yes. get this woman coming through the crowd against this music, and it's so kind of like ethereal, and she. She cuts through everything. It's an,
3: yes. it's, it's an yeah, it's an iconic character introduction.
1: Because
2: everybody's losing their mind, headbanging, yeah. and all of that, and she's just like wafting through in this like white gypsy skirt and like. And Michael top. can't take his eyes and off, Michael's off her. Trans. Ha- have you seen the YouTube video where they kind of edited it together with Michael and all the looks he's giving to Star? They cut in Tim Capel. No. I know I'll be looking up soon. It's so good. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right, Scott? Yeah, (laughs) it's so good. And I think you showed it to somebody, and and they were like, "Why is he looking at him?" Like, (laughs) because it's cut really well, and all the because there's shots of Michael, and it's almost like he's looking at the camera when he's just like entranced by you know by Star. And they edited that shit so well that it looks like he's looking. And I've pulled up a picture of of, uh, of Tim, and he is definitely wearing a jock strap over these stretch pants. Let me see, with like a oh yeah, a studded oh, yeah, belt. Definitely. It's Two like belts. a yeah. yeah, it's like he's a black jock strap over like pink and purple like stretch pants with s- multiple studded belts. He's so shiny, and he's so, so shiny. shiny. Oh my god. Yeah, like all the little things
1: hanging from the belt over the codpiece. You know, I saw Tim Capella recently on a talk show. Oh, my God. Promoting his new album, Blood on the Reed. Oh, shit. And you Blood know what? He still Reed. looks pretty good. Hey. He he looks he looks pretty good still for his age. Still has this yeah. jacked
3: body.
2: Yeah, he's <laughs> still,
1: like, wide. Good look. He's still rocking the long hair. <laughs> Love it. Pulled back in that half pony. Yeah. He was wearing a shirt, though. Sorry.
2: Oh, too bad. Tina. Just him on tour with Tina. That's kind of amazing.
1: I think he toured with Tina for like 12 years or something like that. Yeah. That's crazy.
2: Man, we listened to that whole five-minute song. Way to go, Tim. I mean, it's that entrancing.
1: (laughs) It's one of the superstars of the soundtrack. It it really
2: is. On a good soundtrack, um,
3: yeah. Eddie and the Tide. I'm not familiar with them. There's a lot going on. There's like a Roger uh, Daltrey song from The Who Mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. Well, of course, also Cry Little Sister, which is kind of just worked into the score of the movie. Yeah, it is. Because it has that that chanting that just works underneath scenes. Mm -hmm.
2: Is it like a
1: kid's choir singing? So good. So good. And I know, I think I've let you borrow my DVD copies of the sequels of these films. Oh, yeah. There is a little homage to Tim Capello in the second film. Whenever the new kids come to Santa Carla, and you see this very overweight man <laughs> with with his with the half pony, wearing the pants and the cod piece oh and the chains, and he's doing the little hip thrusts with the saxophone. Oh. It's like that is not kind. No, <laughs> <laughs> why are they got to why they, they got to do that shady to Tim?
2: <laughs> why are they got to do Tim dirty like that? So we haven't even. Oh, we've got a cat going oh, okay. crazy. She needs some. She's a some big loving.
3: Fan. She's a big fan of of, of the sexy,
2: sexy, sexy saxophonist, sax man. So we haven't even gotten to like the sunken 1920s like resorts, yes, and the cliffs of Santa Carla. That is their lair. I mean, this is like the
3: music video set of the movie.
2: This is like a meatloaf video mm-hmm. going on oh, in
3: here.
1: With the, the fire barrels. <sighs>
3: it's very on brand for Joel Schumacher. Yes, too. You get that, um, just this, uh, this beautiful soundstage. It's very set. much,
2: it very much gives me the, like, the intro, the cue of, um, of the Tower of Terror before it became the, uh, the Galaxy, the Guardian yes. of the Galaxy ride. Mm-hmm. So we're going Tower of Terror at Disneyland. And no, it's I, like this.
1: I, I can't. I don't. Have you ever been to the lobby like the drops? No. Sorry. That's... <laughs> I'm not trying to live that life. Drop Sorry.
2: sir, Yeah. drop sir. You're either in or you're I'm, out. Yeah. I'm, I'm all the way out. <laughs> That's cool. But <laughs> let me tell you this. The production design on that ride was out of control because the whole idea was that it was a, a, a 1920s Hollywood hotel that has been abandoned because of this like fictional accident that happened. And the lobby looks like this with like cobwebs and sh- broken down chandeliers and all that. And this like their lair very much gives the me that. The
3: giant Jim Morrison because these guys worship the doors.
2: Yes, um, So they, they've they just, you know, I'm sure this is like condemned and they're not allowed to be in there, but they've just decided this is going to be our lair. And they
3: mentioned that, David mentions that, yeah, it was a seaside resort yeah. that fell in the crack of like an earthquake or the, the something. that. 1906 or it, like, San Francisco earthquake. It like caved in.
2: Yeah. Because that earthquake was fucking early. And, and I mean, if Santa C- Carla is... Actually Santa Cruz, and I'm sure there was some some bad damage there as well. So, yeah, that that tracks. But um, this is where, you know, this is where they start revealing, like... All of their little glamour tricks, mm-hmm. you know, on, on yeah. Michael, which I thought was interesting. Like I had again, that was kind of my first introduction to like vampires being able to kind of manipulate
1: people. Because up until this point, I think on film we'd only ever seen the gaze, yes, where you can get them to like do what you want them to do, their desire, but yeah, not any sort of manipulation of what they're actually seeing, yeah, feeling, yeah, yeah, which so is very interesting
2: and gross, yeah, yeah, uh, Chinese takeout. Container full of maggots. Maggots.
0: Ew. The maggots.
2: <laughs> oh man, where is that?
0: Oh those maggots. <laughs> maggots,
2: Michael. You're eating maggots. How do they taste? Uh, and the noodles. Mm-hmm. It's just noodles, Michael.
1: That's his very like Joe Bluth delivery. <laughs>
2: Illusion, Michael. <laughs>
1: <laughs> something i find kind of interesting is if you if you look overall at this film besides key scenes like this with david the vampires don't speak much in no this movie. no they don't have a lot of lines yeah yeah
2: and they're not even re- they're used very sparingly yeah
3: they're only in you yeah. know even keether who's like a uh, probably third build in this movie has very minimal lines yeah and he's I mean he's probably has the most of all the vampires
2: yes. for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh definitely. But yeah, but he's got like not a lot of I think most of the dialogue. other vampires
1: are just laughing, yeah. chiding, things mm-hmm. like that. They're not really delivering full lines. Yeah, for except sure. Except for here and there, maybe at the end when they're fighting in the house. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just I'd never noticed that and I thought it was really interesting.
2: Yeah, you don't even really think about and that's another thing with movies like this that we latch on to early on and then just rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. You don't think about it because you know how it's, you know what's going on and you're not even really like paying attention that hard, but every now and then you'll just be like, I'm going to watch this and really like analyze what's going on. And then you think about these things that you, you didn't catch or just kind of let go, you know, because they're
3: so familiar.
1: Yeah, exactly. A film like this becomes a part of you Yeah. when you watch it with critical eyes. Yeah. It's, you start to pick up on all these things. And
3: also yeah. I mentioned before about just sort of movies from this time they didn't feel the need to really explain themselves that you yeah. really don't know what David's intentions are with Michael. Yeah. You don't really know like what his what he wants. Does he want him to like to be in the gang? Does he want Star to like kill him? You don't really know.
1: You're given a little bit later on. At first yes. you have no clue, but later on you're given a little bit that that Michael was supposed to be Star's first. Yes. But that's it. But it, it, up until that point, it yeah. almost seems like they're using Star as bait.
2: Yeah, that's it. that's where it gets a little kind of muddy for me. Cause yes.
1: The inclusion of Star and Laddie is a big kind of question mark for me. Yeah.
3: I think that he almost sees Michael as a personality that would help balance out his misfit gang, too.
1: Like, you kind of see that? Yeah. Of, like, why he wants him? It may be somebody who can be, like, a second. Because Michael immediately stands up to him. Where I feel like the others are just lackeys. Yes. Whatever he wants.
3: He almost wants another alpha male to balance it
0: out. Yeah.
2: But at the end of the day, like, it's not David's game. This this is very true. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Because Edward Herman wants to establish a family unit with all of these boys. Yeah.
1: The blood-sucking Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. And also, as the head vampires, he just... Does Does David just have carte blanche to turn whoever into a vampire? Uh, yeah. you know? <laughs> How many vampires are just roaming around Santa Carla because right? David just said, oh, that one looks fun. Yeah.
2: But then also, he is running this video store. Because there's staff there. He hires,
3: you know, Diane Weist, <laughs> And also uh, your favorite from Dream Warriors. And Summer School... In summer school, yeah. Yeah. Now I can't remember
2: her name. I'm gonna feel bad about it, so I'm gonna look her up. Um, But yeah, he's he fully just has a staff of people that he just like. He He hires. He he brings brings on board at night, and he's just like he's the night manager. And he's just like, are you upselling those M and M's?
3: Are you upselling that microwave popcorn? It's right by the register. Do I have to tell you this every time? Come on, Sharon. <laughs> we just stumbled on to a blockbuster training video from the '80s, and it's kind of amazing. It's oh on. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's great. There's
2: and there's quite a have few. To look up on YouTube. <laughs> Kelly Jo Minter from uh, from summer school and from uh, Dream Master.
3: Oh, is she not in Dream Warriors? No,
2: she's not in Dream Warriors or Dream Master. She's in the Dream Child. Okay. She's in My Remember, Elm Street 5. Uh, yeah, she is all but cut out of The Lost Boys.
3: Yeah. She's in the deleted
2: scenes. She speaks in the deleted scenes. She's there behind the counter. Yeah. In like fleeting moments.
1: You kind of see her paying attention to like the phone call that she gets. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. The, I noticed that today when I was watching it. It was like she's just staring at her while she has this yeah. intense phone call. Because yeah. <laughs> that's her coworker. Yeah. That <laughs> it would have
3: made more sense if you saw the scene with them interacting. To. Yeah, oh, yeah. and there's also a really creepy cut scene of the movie where Diane Wiest is leaving the video store, and David and the gang comes around and oh, circles yeah. her right in front of the video All store. On their motorcycle, And they're looking at her, and then they just drive off.
1: Yeah, it's a really weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dian- kind of going back to the head vampire thing, yeah. like, if David kept that secret from the rest of the gang— do you think they got any kind of inclination or maybe feeling like going into vampire lore when you have like a creator whenever they go into the into the uh, video store in the beginning? and He's I thought I thought I told you not to come in here. Yeah. He also gives David a look, too. Yeah.
2: There's got to be – that's, that's got to be in the novelization.
1: Mm-hmm. Got to find it. I need somebody to find it for me on
2: eBay. eBay. I'll, I'll pay whatever. <laughs> Probably won't be that much. It's got to be on eBay. We'll find it. Well, okay. So, yeah, I feel like the whole ideas of, like, why they're bringing Michael in, you know, the, the David versus head vampire and their relationship to the other lost boys, maybe we don't think about think too hard about it.
1: Yeah. Right. Do you think they waited until he got that sweet earring? And they're like, oh, now he's good to go. <laughs> now Get we him. know. Get him. We need him. Yeah.
3: I mean, it was also one of the big inspirations why I got an earring. Oh, when I was in high school too, because I wanted to be cool like Michael. Yeah, I wasn't that like uh, rock and roll that I had a girl
1: actually do it without the gun.
2: It's a ripoff. I'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I had my ears pierced several times when I was a teenager, and I was never cool enough to have a friend do it. I always no, went yeah. to the mall and I got, got the, a little gun. I got yeah. the Claire's
3: gun. <laughs> I
2: don't like that Claire's gun, Which man. It'll I give know you that,
3: Well, I was going to say, I know that it's not supposed to be very good for your ears. It's
2: not. It'll give you a keloid. I got one in my ear. Give you a keloid. Listeners, if, you're, if, you're if you're you ever want your
3: ear pierced,
1: go to an actual piercer. Uh, a piercer. piercer. Yeah, I got, like, three done at, like, a Claire's, and I got two at, like, a tattoo shop.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you do it at a tattoo shop, listeners, they'll do it with, like, a lance, Mm -hmm. and it'll go right through. When they do it with a gun, it, like, pokes a hole in your ear, and it can give you major scar tissue inside of your earlobe, and it could cause a keloid scar. And I saw this guy at a bar once, and it was, like, botched. Like, his... He, he had keloids that looked like he was wearing like earmuffs and they were like giant oh. like golf ball sized keloids on each of his ears and you know it was because he got like jacked up piercings. Yeah. I felt wow. terrible. Wow. I saw that on
0: botched. So gross. Look it up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go to a go to a piercer. They'll charge you a little bit more, but it's worth it in the long run.
1: Definitely worth it.
0: Coming you, from
2: people who have you could real go piercings. See, or you could just go see Star. You can see, Star, she'll do it for you. Yeah, because it's a (laughs) ripple. Just get some ice. They did it in Greece. Yep. Well, Frenchie also did say there was a lot of blood. So she probably didn't do it right. I don't think she did it right. right. It was the 50s. They didn't know what they were doing. So, all right. What have we missed? We've got like the lair. We've got. (laughs) <laughs> like we didn't, we didn't talk about poor Diane Weist being chased by Thorne. Oh and yeah, oh, great performance, great
3: performance by Diane Weist. That yeah. it really just speaks to Diane Weist as an actress. That oh, she won an Oscar for Hannah and her sister. She follows it up with this rock and roll vampire movie. Yeah. So I mean, that just goes to rock show and with, roll teen with vampire Diane Weist, like it can be whatever material. It's just if the character like speaks to you.
2: Yeah. I think she's really fun in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's just very much like a mom, just like this unhip-like mom. Ooh, that's from my era. That, like, Diane Weist voice.
3: <laughs> Grooving on a Sunday afternoon. Which, to me,
2: that is, like, such a lowrider song. Sure. <laughs> like, to me, I hear that song. You, and just, I just, you just think of, like, like... I just think cruising down Whittier you, Boulevard. You just, think
3: just going to car shows with your uncle?
2: Yes! Just, you're just cruising down your Boulevard on a Sunday afternoon, and I do not imagine Diane Weiss being there. But, you know, hey, it's from her era. <laughs>
3: so. I also think that gay men fucking love Diane Weiss, too. So another little <laughs> check mark on movies that made us gay, too. Yes, this is true. She's
2: she's iconic. Uh, how many Oscars does she have? Two? Two. Bulls for Woody Both Allen movies? for Woody movies? Allen movies for... Bullets Over Broadway. Bullets
3: Over Broadway and Hannah and Her Sisters. Wow. Good for her.
2: <laughs> this movie has a double Oscar winner in mm-hmm. it. And also Jason Patrick. Who, who, I mean, I'm sure his career is fine Jason when you look Patrick, at it on paper.
3: Jason Patrick just sounds like a pain in the ass. Whenever I've heard stories about him, I think there's a reason why Jason Patrick does not work a lot anymore. 'Cause I just think that he's just kind of difficult. Really? Yeah.
1: No, oh, I guess i I mean, I guess I didn't really think that much about Jason Patrick when yeah. you watch movies like Walt Lost Boys, you're like, why wasn't his career bigger? I mean, I know his career yeah. is fine. Yeah. But he seems like if you look at him, he's a very handsome guy. Yeah. Like he's a fine actor. He his career should have skyrocketed. He should have yeah. kind of followed Kiefer, you know. For sure. So I mean I'm
3: just found himself in that difficult and just found himself as the Keanu replace and cruise two or speed two cruise control, cruise control. Cruise control. Yeah. Ugh. So did Keanu
2: just not want to be in that? Yeah,
3: they wrote the script. He said no, and they just changed the name in the script and cast <laughs> Jason Patrick. <laughs> There's probably just like a throwaway line, like mm-hmm. oh, "I wish."
2: I don't remember his character. Yeah,
3: name. it's when it's when Sandy is doing her driver's uh, test. She kind of gives like, "Well, this is what happened to Keanu Reeves, and now I'm dating a new guy." <laughs> oh. I think I am maybe a little more familiar with Speed 2 maybe, than all maybe. of you. <laughs> yeah, I, don't. I love the idea that Speed 2
2: starts off with Sandra Bullock's character taking a behind the wheel driver's test. Mm-hmm.
3: Genius. Couldn't have written it better myself. It's where you get all of the exposition that you need going into the movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. We're going to watch Speed 2 Cruise
3: Control. I feel like it's always on streaming. It's got
1: to be. Just what I think is speed. You know, you're, they're moving the bus. It's moving 50 miles per hour. A cruise ship just doesn't scream speed to me. <laughs> is, is it like a yacht? I feel like no, it's, it's not it's quite. A,
3: it's a cruise ship. It's a full-on cruise ship? I think ship? so. Oh, I think Jesus. it's a cruise ship. Like, yeah.
1: had planes been done too many times at that point, like executive order, passenger <laughs> you yeah. But you uh, guys, but you guys we <laughs> hadn't
3: got the cruise ship running on land of, it, like, when it's speeding oh. out of control and it goes up on... It goes up on the shore of San Francisco, I think.
2: But that's got to be like ten seconds. That what happens?
3: It's like a whole. It's like a whole
2: twenty-minute scene. It drives on the street. Like, what does it get on the on the cable car line? Yeah, like it, it
3: it runs on the it runs on the street. How does it do?
2: that? Does it have a tone bell?
0: This is not
3: this is <laughs> not a thing. That's not how cruise ships work. Like it would hit the
2: land and stop. I've but been on a cruise ship. <laughs> They don't have wheels. Well, we'll do our speed two cruise control episode. Uh wait, so cruise ships
3: don't have wheels? <laughs> I we've, mean, We've yet to do a Sandra Bullock episode, so I haven't done any
2: Sandra Bullock movies. No.
3: No while you were sleeping. Where would you start?
1: What would what would be your dream? I know Scott's has I love be, I love uh, while you were sleeping.
2: But but don't you love um I mean that but, witch movie? Oh practical magic. practical magic. Sure.
3: That's your big Sandy movie. Mm-hmm but then like speed has handsome Keanu He's in nice it Keanu too. So
2: yeah, come on. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and it's, it takes us on
2: a tour of Los Angeles. I love speed from 95,
1: 95, 94. 94. Oh, that was my era. This is another tour of Los Angeles where Joe can call in and you guys can argue <laughs> about the geography of Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And what liquor stores we can see in the background. <laughs> Shots. I think I
2: cut a bit out where Joe was like, and I remember that convenience store. I'm like, all right. (laughs) This is a little too inside baseball. So okay. Should we get to the final showdown? Yeah, we should. (laughs) (laughs) Because that scene is crazy. Yeah. Poor Alex Winter doesn't even make it to the final showdown. Yeah. Poor Alex (laughs)
3: gets gets like a Stake to the chest when hanging on, hanging upside down. Do you like that? That they're vampires that hang upside down like bats. I don't mind. The I think hanging it's kind of cool.
1: Down, I like it. They show the the prosthetic on. the oh, floor yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's big, right. Like bat toes. Yeah, which begs the question: is like when they fly? Because I don't like Superman flying vampires. Sure. Do, do they, they have wings? Kind of turn into bats, or like yeah. they like overgrown yeah. bats, like you know, like Coppola's Dracula? Yeah, it's like huge were-bats, Essentially, is what I'm seeing in my mm-hmm. head. But I like that. I like the prosthetic. I like the hanging up upside down. You
3: don't get a really good shot of them flying. So possibly really? any shots. It's yeah.
1: always POV. You yeah. never get any shots. of them Well, flying.
3: you get one of them both running into each other, and that's the one of the few oh. CGI shots of the movie. Not
2: CGI, but like blue screen.
3: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I think there is some computer effects in that scene. What? Yeah. Not in eighty-seven. In 87? Well, Joel says on the commentary that there's two shots in the movie.
2: I thought he said green screen. Oh, okay, yeah.
3: Maybe it's just green screen. That
1: that scene though, where we where we lose Marco, R.I.P. Oh, yeah. Marco. Yeah, I love.
3: So I just got I just got contacts, yeah. and I'm struggling to put them in. And whenever I put them in, and my eyes just start to water. I always think of that shot of Keither oh. when he's like trying to grab him, and then his hand gets burned. And you get a the single tear. You just see like a <laughs> single tear, yeah. and I guess that in the making of it the contacts Keith was wearing were just so massive and just hurt his eye and they were so hard to put in that sometimes his eyes would just water would yeah. just like sometimes he would just have tears running down his eyes so that is a real tear from the contact
1: but that that makes for a hell of a shot yeah though. that's a great oh, shot, yeah for sure but that kind of going back to Marco's yeah. death though when I watched it I was like you know Edgar Alan and Sam are the loudest vampire hunters. <laughs> they're trying to sneak in there during the day yeah. to kill vampires, yeah, they're and they're terrible. all like, this way, come over here! Like It's just so like, it's, like, no wonder these vampires just didn't wake up and eat them. Oh, yeah. And shouldn't they
3: all be doing this at the same time, too? Are they yeah. gonna go like, one by yeah. one? Yeah.
1: They just kind of stood there for moral support. They each go to one. And yeah. They would've knocked three of them out.
3: Preferably <laughs> start with David.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they did question, they're like, who's the who's head vampire? Oh, yeah, they didn't know. They didn't so know. I guess Marco just looked the coolest with that Badass curly mullet.
3: That's true. They
2: said the small didn't they say the small the one? The small one, yeah.
3: <laughs> so I always, growing up and also up until recently, I was always super into Dwayne. Okay. The Billy Worth one, the one with the I long mean, raven hair. The one, yeah. But within the past year, I'm just like, you know, I've kind of been overlooking Alex Winter. Because <laughs> just those, those like beautiful you eyes.
2: His tiny, little, his tiny little Paul McCartney face. Mm hmm. <laughs> Whenever
3: I watch Bill and Ted, I think that um he's Bill, right? He's Bill. I yes. think Bill is the cutest. I know that's like it's controversial. Controversial the How but are you I be think he's the cutest that one I where think, the other one's Keanu. I think Alex Winner is just so adorable in that movie. <laughs> so I, I, I have kind of overlooked Marco as the vampire. Yeah. Sure. I have to say in Bill and Ted, he
2: is a little bit stronger of a comedian. Of the two of them, Keanu's funny. He's got the the voice down, and he's doing the voice stuff. But I think Bill is doing the heavy lifting when it comes to the comedy stuff. Um, and uh, and plus he's got the little midriff like mm-hmm. cut off. It is a inside out sweatshirt shows off his cute little stomach. He's got an inside out sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off, and it's a midriff. And so his whole like six pack is showing the entire movie. Yeah, and he's wearing uh, like bugle boy pants with like boxers, like sticking out of the top. Like, come on, <laughs> you just want to pinch those cheeks. He's so cute.
0: <laughs>
2: come on, Alex Winter. And then yeah, and this one, and and they call him a little. And he's I I mean I don't know how tall Keanu is, but he's significantly smaller than Keanu and, and Bill and Ted. So I'm imagining he's kind of a, a small guy. Um, I remember in. I don't know if I read it or if it was in one of the special features where they were talking about the um, the vampire makeup appliances that they that they made for everybody, and um, that when they made the one for for David for Kiefer's character, that they were pretty much locked after what they made for him. But they did the mold of his face and the makeup artists or the the head makeup designer referred to. Kiefer Sutherland as having a, a pixie nose because he just has like very like kind of fine features for a man, and he's just like, yeah, we just kind of had to work around Kiefer's little pixie nose, <laughs> and I thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> I was like, I never thought about. that. <laughs> but yeah, just having to build up this, you know, this ma- these, you know, these makeup appliances on all of them. Do we see Marco with the? Yeah, you get a shot. Do we get of a shot them. Of him?
1: You get a shot of at least. All of them, at least everybody, once. once. Okay. I think you see it around the fire whenever yeah. they take out the surf when Nazis. Yeah,
3: when they're with the surf Nazis, when they take yep. out the
2: surf Nazis, there's some gnarly really shit. One of them in there. bites into That's
1: the <laughs> bites into scene. the guy's head. Yeah, yeah he, like bites into his head and like pulls his skull. Yeah, back. and there's a blood like a <laughs> yeah splatter, and it's it's
2: cut really fast. Yeah, it, they're quick cuts, but it's there.
1: Well, it's to horrify the audience yes. and Michael. Yeah, for seeing sure. what they are for the first time. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um. This is what we are, and this is what you are. Yeah.
2: Oh, my God. That's, that, there's a lot going on uh, with, with that little speech. So,
0: now you know what we are. Now you know what you are. You'll never grow old, Michael. And you'll never die. But you must feed that's the shot of all of them yeah
2: i always thought that was so smart when they do the whole thing uh with the noodles and the rice and then he's like well now have some wine and star's like don't drink it it's blood and he's like it's just wine Mm. like they're just pranking me but he's so he's got enough of his wits about him to be like oh no they're just it's just another prank but still you just saw worms and maggots in your in your doggy bag. So like he's in some kind of like he's there, but he's still just kinda of like, all right, whatever, let's do it. That didn't look like blood in that bottle though. It did not. It was no. very thin. <laughs> it was very thinned out. It was actual wine in there too. Um the rules for creating a vampire in this
1: movie. Oh, too, kind of like, yes. Like, he just drank blood. Yeah. He just drank vampire but blood. But maybe it's it. like
3: ancient vampire blood or something.
1: Well, we uh, once again, we we don't know how old he is. Yeah. How yeah. old is Max? Like, Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like also kind of going back to you know the rewatch I just did of True Blood, ev- almost every scene they tell you how old they are. I'm 800 years yeah. old. <laughs> sure. And it's like you don't know anything about these vampires. Bill, yeah.
3: Bill was very quick to remind you that he was bit in the Civil War. Oh, yeah. Yes. He probably does that every Talks single like episode. <laughs>
1: he, he does it a lot. They're full flashbacks. <laughs> like, yeah. But
3: I feel like I'm okay with it being ambiguous, though. I think it works.
1: Yeah, it works. And it's kind of up to you to put that on them. Yeah. And I, like, in my mind, I feel like they were turned in the 60s, 70s because they're very up time. Sure. Star and Laddie must be fairly Brand new, new additions. Yeah. Because. I mean Laddie's still on the milk carton. Mm-hmm. So how how long did they run those things on milk cartons in the eighties? Like yeah. six months a year. Yeah. Maybe sure. something
3: like that. They just picked up this kid running wild on the boardwalk and just be like, <laughs> he seems cool. Yeah. Why what, not?
1: What do they need a kid for? Also, as if I was the head vampire, I'd certainly question David's sanity here. Why would you turn a child into a vampire or yeah, do you really yeah. want to be
3: taking care of this kid for hundreds of years? Yeah. yeah. I get that it's going to be like a Claudia situation that he's going to grow up in his mind, so we technically won't always have the mindset of a child. But still, but maybe a he's kid like can a,
2: lure in other kids as he's like food.
3: A, sure, yeah,
1: is what I mean. Thinking. Yeah, we, a whole Claudia situation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah. But you know, Lestat's whole like character beat is that he knows nothing. You know, yes. his whole character yeah. beat was like, I'm going to give you the choice I was never given. Like, he knows, like, Marius told him nothing, but Marius actually did told him all that stuff. Really? <laughs> so, you know, that's his whole, like, uh, his whole gig. So, you know, it could just be part of their, like, their personalities that they just are accepting what's going on and moving forward.
3: And they just want a gang of misfit. Boys, yeah. I guess. I just, so I guess it makes sense that they have a younger one. Yeah,
1: I always find the the idea of chi- children as vampires like really fascinating. Like their their mental capacity, yeah. they will age, but like th- they'll go insane. Yes, you know, because there was another vampire movie that came out the same exact year, actually, that had a child vampire as mm-hmm. well. It was a great film. Not to plug another film on this, but we've talked that's about cool. so many films. Near Dark is that is that oh, directed by? My- is that directed by Catherine Bigelow? That is right? yeah. directed yeah. by Academy Award winner Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> yeah. It's such a great I film. I've never seen it. It came out the Neither same exact year and was completely overlooked by yeah. this film. It's got a soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. Oh, my gosh. It's Even better. It's so good. And it's, it also kind of flips a little bit. The, the lead is a female vampire who draws in a young man. Okay. Played by Adrian Pazdar. Ooh. At a super young, like, Ooh. hunky age. Ooh, yeah, I love In, like, start. rural, like, West Texas. Like, the whole thing is very, like, like gypsy, roaming. Yeah. It's such a good film. And the two things I love about it, and I'll leave it at this, <laughs> they never, ever once say the word vampire. Sure. And they never show fangs. Yeah. But it's a fantastic film. The ending gets a little rocky, sure, but it's yeah. a good film. <laughs> and doesn't it also have uh,
2: Vasquez from Aliens?
1: Vasquez, Lance Henriksen also from Aliens. Also from
2: Aliens. Yep. Got a big
1: alien. Oh, well, Bigelow. Well, well, Bigelow. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Cameron's like, I got some people for you, <laughs> right?
3: <so. laughs> wow. Okay. It's such a great
1: film. Yeah.
3: I get it confused with that Clive
1: Barker movie, Nightbreed. Nightbreed. Oh, yeah. Nightbreed. No. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: Nightbreed. We have
1: problems with. Well, the lead from Nightbreed has a very um, Jason Patrick in law. <laughs> he does, does, yeah. yeah.
2: Oh man! All right. Well, we're definitely going to check out Near Dark because definitely. I've been wanting to. I can't believe we've both of us have let it like let it go for this long.
1: Yeah, whereas this movie is like like fun and stylized, and like that mm-hmm. movie is just dark and gritty sure. and dirty. Uh, two completely different films. Oh yeah, but yeah, definitely Near Dark. I can't suggest it enough. It's such a great film
2: cool cool. we'll jump on that all right well we we should we should keep this moving because we've 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 covered a lot there's of the territory. big showdown
3: there's the big showdown at the house they brought star yeah. and laddie back and they're sort of luring in David and his gang to the house which I mean kind of rookie move do you really want to invite them into your house
2: yeah but it's like they're turf so they're able to like set up booby traps and stuff mm-hmm
3: yeah and this is also probably one of the remnants of that, that original script. Yeah. That your last act of the movie kind of has to turn uh, goonies with all of these booby traps. Yeah. And oh, yeah. adults have to walk through them.
1: I can definitely see that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, how many churches do you think they hit up to get that much holy all water? All that the, up for the tub. The best. I love that shot. There's so so <laughs> much holy in water there. in that tub. And they've also filled up all their squirt guns. Like, I was a lot say, of holy water. How did
2: they fill it up with one squirt gun at a time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all you got to do to make water holy is just have a priest bless it.
1: That is a great scene, though, in that tub. <laughs> and
3: which one uh, What dies in the tub? Paul. Paul. When we yeah. lose
1: Paul, he bursts all the pipes and there's vampire goo everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. That, that beautiful like, Pomeranian mullet. They ruined that house. <laughs> and I know we're 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 at the final battle yeah. and I hate to backtrack oh, you no, some, but fine. whenever we killed Marco and now we're outside getting everyone into the car, mm-hmm. the first time I noticed today I was watching the film, it's the vampire goo that's sprayed mm. all over the Frog Brothers is very glittery. Oh, is it? <laughs> It's so glittery, mm-hmm. and I think it's just to reflect light when oh, they're in sure. the sun. Yeah. But there's a when Alan turns around and you see the back of his head, it's full-on glitter. <laughs> I never noticed that. And I thought that. to myself, is there glitter in the vampire goo? I started reading <laughs> trivia online. I suppose, they that, put glitter I suppose in the vampire it's just goo. Oh, they wanted wow. it to read yeah. better
3: on film, Yeah, and it would probably just look a little duller. That shine, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But anyway, that vampire goo everywhere. Poor Paul. Oh, there man. goes Paul. We've lost Marco. Now yeah. we're down Paul.
2: Uh, so how do they get uh Blondie? The long haired blonde one. Paul. He's oh, that is tub. Paul. That's yeah, the, the dark
1: haired one died that's, in the tub. That's no the dark haired one, no, one is death by stereo.
3: Death
2: by stereo. That's great scene. Oh,
1: that's Dwayne. Yeah. That's a
3: pretty that's a pretty punk wa- uh, that's a per- that's a pretty punk rock way to go. Oh yeah. Too. Mm.
1: And then the stereo comes on. That's the, a good yeah, movie to When the arrow <laughs> pierces his heart into the stereo. So good. Yeah, for sure. Um I love the fact that they, when they're introducing and talking about all this vampire lore in this film, uh-huh. they talk about killing a vampire beca- can become pretty messy, which we see with Paul. Yeah, which I think that house is ruined by the way. Oh yeah,
3: um, the plumbing's shot. It's shot. <laughs> oh, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to gut
2: that house. Yeah, yeah. good job. <laughs> Flip it, just buy a new house.
1: But it's they talk about no vampire dying the same way.
2: Yeah, and I
1: find that interesting and fun. Is that just a built-in excuse in the script for the FX to department? Have, just get yeah. crazy with how we kill our vampires. Because yeah, because there's see a line about yeah. that they
2: can die in multiple different ways. And right,
1: that is something that carries over into the not great sequels. but yeah. it carries over. Like <laughs> a vampire dies in one of the sequels, and she turns to marble. Like it's uh, it's this kind of interesting thing where every yeah. vampire has a unique death, and I think that's really kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Not like the Buffy thing. Every time we kill a vampire, it just, just turns to sand. Turns to yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, television show budgets aside. Yeah, true.
1: <laughs> CG sand just... Pfft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or True Blood, where they just pop like a water balloon. That <laughs> always creeps me out, like though. On,
3: like, I feel like on in, uh, Anne Rice, it was always kind of different ways Own of whenever
1: I mean, vampires would die. I'm trying to think to the books, and I... And it's remember. even like, yeah,
3: I don't And it's either. even like when you even try to kill a vampire, like Lestat, it might not stick.
2: Well, it was just depending on how old and powerful they were. Yeah, yeah. you'd have to do. You'd have to literally destroy their body.
1: And I'm thinking about all the vampire deaths in like the film interview. It's like, yeah, it's either by sunlight or you know, just Louis running around beheading people yeah. like a madman. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, so, and you
3: know, in Twilight, which is like the real. <laughs> Uh, well, it's been it's been, fun, it's been fun. You know, early early in the quarantine, we did a rewatch uh. of all of the Twilight movies because we we're just like, well, what else are we doing? So we watched all of them in a, in the course of like a week and a half.
1: Speaking of vampire glitter, oh
3: my goodness gracious! And it's just one of those things with that movie. I just think that Stephanie Meyer's creation of that universe is just so lazy. I just don't so think that lazies. they're that layered or fun
1: no the the characters know, but i will i I don't know if I don't want to give her too much credit, yeah because i I feel like it is definitely some lazy creation, but you know all of the reading I've done about vampire lores, there actually is uh some lore on vampires that in sunlight they do reflect the sun. Okay. Not twinkle or whatever the <laughs> hell, But like but there is a vampire myth about reflecting yeah. the sun from their skin. So
2: and it just being an an excuse to get around why we don't yeah. go into the sun. You want yeah. And it's not because we're gonna burst into flames, it is because we'll be exposed or whatever. I don't know. I like <laughs> <burst into flames. laughs> yeah. Yeah and I like it that in this movie it's like his hand just fucking caught on fire. <laughs>
1: Like in the sunlight. John Carpenter's vampires, they just turn into a fireball as soon as they're introduced to sun at all. Yeah. But yeah, I like that. That's like the only time we really get to see any of these vampires introduced to the sun is yeah. whenever he reaches his hand out and mm-hmm. he catches on fire immediately.
2: And Kiefer Sutherland, man, I mean, good choice all around, like acting-wise and, and all that, but he's so white. Yeah. When they shine that key light on him in their lair, He's like blue, like the light is shining, reflecting off of his skin.
3: It's like them lighting. It's, it's them like it's like them lighting Nicole Kidman, yeah. in the Moulin Rouge. Yeah, he's like
1: that white, and like that, just like, but like being that white, I love the contrast of those contacts that he's one of those orange sure. red. There's, it stands out so well.
2: Yeah, totally. And that like bleached out hair, like, and even like his beard is so like fair too. It's yeah, not like. Yeah. Crazy. Huh? Kiefer. Yeah. Good choice. <laughs> and so, again, like I said, scary as shit. Like, I would just, oh my God. And in, uh, not Lost Boys, but stand by Me, Stand By Me, he would just make me nervous. Like...
1: Well, he's got a very intense stare.
2: So intense. I felt like he was going to fuck those kids up. Like, oh, not yeah. just like threats, not like, oh, I'm going to beat you guys up. Like, he is going to put these kids in the hospital.
1: Watching that movie as a child, I thought for sure he is going to murder them. Yeah,
2: yeah. If they didn't have a gun at that moment, like some some bad shit was going to happen. Yeah, he's he's that intense in that movie. Um, and yeah, and he's and he's pretty fucking scary in this. Yeah,
1: he's fantastic. this. Yeah. He yeah. You know, and it's also you were talking about you know things that you saw like for the first time as a child. Mm-hmm. When I was watching this movie, this is the first time I've ever seen fangs. That weren't on canines, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what, yeah, they oh I can never noticed be that in different places, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, blew my mind, loved it yeah it's a, it's an interesting choice because yeah. you usually see them on the, on the canine teeth, and I think moving them forward mm-hmm. one presents really well on film it you does. don't have to like open their mouth real big for you to see their fangs, just casual yeah. conversation you can see it you can get a yeah.
3: good uh chomp on a a gutter punk's
1: bald head. <laughs> yeah. Did
2: they have them in that same position
1: going back to True Blood? I think they did that there as well, right? They did. Yeah. yeah. They had him in the same position, uh, but they only had one on each side. Whereas in Lost Boys, they had them in that position, but they also had canines that were smaller. Yeah. So they had like a double set mm-hmm. of fangs. Yeah.
2: I also I also don't mind a Nosferatu two front teeth the front teeth <laughs> like a nice like little hamster yeah <laughs> little rat teeth <laughs> I'm talking classic I'll also accept that yeah well, that's, I mean that's
1: just creepy as hell I go back to uh, um, Salem's Lot too. oh yeah Nosferatu Salem's Lot those little front mm-hmm. pointy teeth long fingers with the, which
2: oof. which brings us to uh. The classic card game Vampire the Masquerade. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> Nosferatu. Yes, and it I has al- all the different. I almost brought up Vampire the Masquerade a couple times. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know how deep we're going, so I'll keep that. <laughs> okay, my, I have
2: to be honest, and my only uh, experience with Vampire the Masquerade is the short-lived television series, which I'm sure was a diluted version.
1: Let me tell of, you, like, the real. I shit. have no idea what you guys are talking yes. about. <laughs> As someone who played Vampire the Masquerade <laughs> on a fairly regular basis, I was sitting at home watching that TV show and I was like, that is not an ability a Brujah has. That's something only a Tremere can do. You can't share blood powers. Sorry, guys. I'll stop right now. I, yeah. I love that. So- and I
2: knew that even yeah. at the time I was like, this has to be wrong because I feel like I read probably in TV Guide that this was based on a, you know, on a card game yeah. and all that. So I was like, there has to be so much lore that well, I don't know.
1: There's a. There's a it's a tabletop role playing game, okay. and for the initiated, I did Minds Eye Theater, which is live action. Oh boy, play. I wore the makeup, the leather <laughs> jacket. I went through a whole thing, like like I had a there was a big goth phase in my life. I had the long hair. So you can you can say LARPing, okay. <laughs> I, can, I just you know I didn't know how initiated <laughs> listeners might be.
2: We saw we saw role models. <laughs> <laughs> We're familiar Ooh, with, that is, with it's, LARPing Because yeah. Yeah. that's a pretty accurate description right? a, <laughs> a, Of a certain type of game, yes yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: Oh man, Scott, we'll go into Vampire the Masquerade with And
1: if you ever want to watch the show I own it
2: on DVD I love you too, that You two fucking nerds <laughs> I love <that. laughs> God, that had to have been syndicated. Welcome to Nerd yes, Talk with Pete Miller. <laughs> this has been
1: Tabletop Board Game
2: talk. Oh, man. Next week, we talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that one's a little over my head. <laughs> it's It stops with Vampire the Masquerade. For me. It never got a television show. So. Uh, see, that's why. So, okay. All right. We got to wrap this one up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten everybody, but now we've got the 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 final showdown. The good bitch fight between David yeah, and Michael. David and Michael. And this
3: is where all of the
2: taxidermy pays off.
3: <laughs> this is where we see them flying, too. Yep. This. Yeah. You yeah. yeah. get that this great shot of screen. them flying in the air.
1: Yeah. Where well, they don't turn into giant bats, so there was right. that theory. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. But, you know, maybe they just haven't fully, like, you know, if they had a little bit more time, maybe they would. Maybe for longer flights. This is yeah. more
3: just them jumping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Across the see- room.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and if they want to like beat each other up or whatever, maybe they feel like if we stay. Well, Michael probably couldn't turn into a full bat at this point anyway. He's well, still this is when Empire.
3: this is when you finally get Michael with with the vampire. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, get f- the, he vamps out. The I guess that was a big yeah. issue on set is that Jason Patrick didn't want to be in the makeup. What? So uh, Joel said, Blame. "Okay, sure, sure. Like Jason, you don't have to be in the makeup." And then the day of shooting. They're just like Jason getting that goddamn. So chair. you're gonna have to get in the makeup <laughs> chair today. And I guess that he was super mad and wanted to walk off set.
1: You know, we never see Star vamp out. No, yeah, we see Laddie. No. Yeah, we never do. see Star vamp out ever. That would yeah. have been cool. I would have liked to have seen Jamie Gertz. Yeah,
2: out. that would have been cool. What is uh, what does he say about Laddie? Attack of Eddie Monster.
3: Eddie Monster. The, the Attack of Eddie Monster. <laughs> I want to see like a scene of Star and uh, Sam like trading like fashion tips or something. <laughs> I feel like Star and Sam would have, like, been
2: friends. They would have been best judies. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, she would have... Yeah. He would have loved her. Like, they would she would have been
3: hanging out in this room.
2: Mm-hmm. I can
1: definitely see her rocking that linen trench coat. That sleeveless linen trench <laughs> they coat. Would,
3: they would borrow clothes from each other.
1: <laughs> she could pierce his ears. Oh, man. Yeah.
2: She would totally... Yeah. I like this. I like where this is going. You can write the fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> the Star and Sam tales. Uh...
3: But okay, so Kiefer gets impaled on some antlers. That shot of Kiefer when uh, Edward Edward Herman goes up to him and he he looks at his face, Mm -hmm. that's when Kiefer looks like he's 19
2: years old. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he
1: looks really soft. I don't know if it's the lighting, but he looks really baby-faced. You can see he's kind of got like chubby cheeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he looks very young in that scene. Yeah, yeah.
2: That pixie nose. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but we also don't see anything spectacular happen to David's body. Right. Like, he no. doesn't blow up. He doesn't mm-hmm. melt. He doesn't... Nothing happens. Yeah. I mean, that could just be all vampires die in a different way. Maybe he just died. They just got his heart. Yeah. But I think that was also sp- supposed to be a setup for a potential sequel.
2: Oh, okay. That he didn't actually that Yeah, you know, that David die. didn't actually die. Yeah. Interesting. because he didn't die, though.
1: But there was so many, like scripts floating around for sequels that Schumacher wanted sure. to make after yeah. this film. Like, he wanted to make them quick, and they just never happened.
3: Oh, okay. And also, Schumacher's schedule was probably just pretty booked up until the mid-90s. Oh, yeah. That oh, he was yeah, consistently yeah. making movies until what, Bat- the end of the 90s.
1: Yeah, because he, he just kept going with, like, uh, The Client, that he made the two mm-hmm. Batman film. Like yep. Schumacher, you know, for all the shit he takes... His career, <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, the, all the shit he takes for the Batman films alone, his career was fantastic. Yeah. And he kind of lived life and made films the way he wanted it yes. to and did mm-hmm. not apologize for it. And I feel like that's what makes him a great filmmaker. He has a vision and yeah. he sticks to it. And he's yeah. his, he has a sense of like whimsy about his films. Yeah.
3: yeah. I suppose we should just end the show just kind of reflecting on Joel Schumacher.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, like you said... Uh, Making the movies that the way
3: he wants to. Like, he got mm-hmm. somebody like Bo Welch, D- the production designer, to yep. art direct this movie. Who had, worked to, who had worked with, like, Tim Burton.
2: Yeah. Bo Welch went on to do Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Like, crazy movies that are just known for their visuals. And, yeah, at the time, like, Tim Burton hadn't quite gone off in that
3: direction yet. So,
2: that was kind of like. I don't know, supervisionary. Yeah, cool. and also
3: he started the careers of Keith or Sutherland, Julia Roberts, um, practically discovered Colin Farrell with with Tigerland. Mm-hmm. I think pretty much like hand hand picked his audition for him to be the lead of that movie, and Colin went on to be a huge movie star. Um so yeah he just saw the potential in a lot of actors earlier in their careers
1: and he's such a versatile filmmaker he's not he was never like pigeonholed into one oh, yeah. genre yeah, ever. yeah.
3: I think well and that's what's kind of like too bad is that super basic people just walk away from his career just looking at the Batman movies yeah. but i mean he's really so much more than that i mean obviously we hear Fucking love those movies. Like we have devoted almost four hours of podcast air just talking about
1: them. And I'll tell you, like, as someone who like was like a nerdy teenager, nerdy adult now, like you know, when I saw those movies originally, I didn't appreciate them at all. Yeah, it felt like a, a stylistic dive away from what Tim Burton was doing. But then when you get older and you learn these behind the scenes things and you look at new stuff from a from a different eye, you can see that he was really. Making this his own thing, and those movies are fun, and they hold up, and they're just yeah, God, they're a blast. He just yeah. wanted Batman to be fun, and he kind of was harkening back to that old like sixty six Adam West a little bit, which I don't think people appreciated, yeah, but he was he was having fun with the movies and like playing up some of the very clear homoeroticism in Batman, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: I mean, given the the choice on a Sunday afternoon to watch either of the Schumacher Batman movies or like. Dawn of Justice. Or Dark Knight Rise. I mean, Dark Knight's great. I love The Dark Knight. Yeah. But the other one with Bane,
1: it gets a little long. It's long. It's long. (laughs) It's it's long and it gets Mm -hmm. lost. It it gets lost in itself. It's like,
3: that's a really weird movie to see in a description in your
1: TV guide. It's good. It's got great (laughs) scenes. I don't think they could describe that movie in a TV guide. No, it would be a whole page.
2: (laughs) You know, it's got great scenes. But I can pick and choose scenes that I want to watch and just be like, wow, that sounds great on my soundbar. And that looks amazing on on 4K TV. But to sit down and watch all of Dark Knight Rises is a chore. I
1: can't say that Batman and Robin is a chore. It's just, it's stupid. And it's crazy. As is is Batman Begins,
2: too. Oh, Batman Begins. Yeah, that's another one. Mm
1: -hmm. I feel like Dark Knight is a ride from beginning to end where the two surrounding it are kind of a chore. Yes, 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 yes. Because you have such a long prologue and begins. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm just like, be Batman Batman already. (laughs) Where it's like, yeah, Schumacher just comes out of the gate and just says, we're doing this. We're having fun. I know you've been sitting in your seat for five minutes, but here's Mr. Freeze. We're doing it. Yes, Batman is on (laughs) skates. Who cares? You know, don't question it. There's Enjoy a new the ride out city. Yeah. He's
3: calling himself Mr. Freeze. Right. <laughs> and also about Joel Schumacher, that's super interesting and just makes him an icon of the gay community is that even before he directed movies, like he was hanging out at Studio 54 with like Halston and Diana Ross. Yeah. Just so like he had this whole life of being a window decorator for like at a department store. In fashion. And a yeah. career in fashion and just would hang out with all of these super cool people and just be a young 30 something gay man in new york city back when i mean he made it out of the 70s alive. i mean he made out of (laughs) this he made it out of like the 80s alive and he didn't die of aids yeah and he just like sort of was able to live his authentic life at a time where you really didn't see very many public figures do that
1: exactly yeah Yeah. i mean and You said it perfectly. I don't think he ever really compromised who he was. Yeah, no, he was yeah. always like bold and made these choices, and never hid his personality or you know being out. He just mm-hmm. this is Joel Schumacher, love it or leave it. Yeah, that's sure.
3: it. And also, when you listen to all of his commentaries, like on the Lost Boys, con- uh, on the Lost Boys DVD, on all of the Batman's, you never hear him badmouth anybody who he works with. Even though there's always stories that he kind of got into it with Val Kilmer, he never speaks an ill word about anybody who he's directed. Yeah. Like, he only has praise to say about anyone.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, it's like, you would think it's like, well, you know, you you can't really, you know, talk bad about anybody in Hollywood or whatever, but it's like, at a certain point in his career, he could just be like, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm going to tell all. Yeah. and he's had such a wide, varied career. I remember when he when he passed away recently. I looked at his IMDb and I was like, "Oh, Joel Schumacher directed that." Right. He's got so many great films. Yeah. You know, in his filmography, it's just like look him up on IMDb. Go down his filmography. If there's something you're not familiar with, watch it. I guarantee you'll love it. Yeah, Akiva, for sure.
3: Akiva Goldsman did a really good interview. I forget what it was for, but he did a big sit down with him within the past year. I think it was cu- kind of right when. It was, the, it was the cancer diagnosis that he did, like, an in-depth look at him. And, yeah, uh-huh. it was a really interesting career.
2: Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, we love Joel Schumacher. This movie's amazing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> a movie that's, like, fully Fantastic. a part of my, like, love of movies. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this was one of my first films that I really got into, like, that vampire mythology. And this, yeah. this I mean, my mom showed me... Old hammer horror films when I was a kid. She got me into all of this. I'm sure she's probably the one that showed me this film when it was on television. Yeah. And it's just, it's an iconic film from an iconic filmmaker. And it's, it's just fantastic.
3: Yeah, agreed. Wow. Yeah, like Joel's direction is just, I have in my notes, Joel's direction is cool and smooth. He really was in control of what kind of movie this was. He perfectly blends horror and comedy, and he never gets lost in it. It's never a movie that's searching for a tone. It fully knows what it is. And also, it's just sort of kind kind of tying back to this podcast for movies that made us gay there's some queer shit in this movie but it kind of like takes you by surprise like it kind of just <laughs> sneaks it in there like it never like I, even though we have like the sax guy <laughs>
0: which is not subtle at all no.
3: but it still has some just very cool gay and punk elements to it yeah for sure
2: I mean being gay is punk Yeah, <laughs> it just is by definition. Oh, man. Billy, this was a lot of fun. Yes. This was a blast. Thank, thank you, you for coming on. No, thank you for having oh, me. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, this was this was amazing. Uh, we love this movie. Go watch it if you haven't already.
3: Definitely check out Billy's other podcast episodes that yes. he did with our friend, our podcast buddy, Ashley Cassidy on Keep It Weird. And Lauren. And Lauren. <laughs> and Lauren Ungle. Yes. Uh, go check out Keep It Weird. We did
2: uh, – you did an episode on vampires and werewolves. They have fun titles. Do you remember the titles of your episodes because they're crazy?
1: The vampire one is It's Only Noodles, Michael. So that ties in perfectly <laughs> to, Perfect. to this. I love it. <laughs> yeah, definitely go
2: check out Keep It Weird with Ashley and Lauren uh, for, for some more fun uh, – Vampire and werewolf lore with Billy. You can also find us
3: on social media. We are where are we, Scott? Movies That Made Us Gay on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook and MTMUG Pod on the Twitter. Yes indeed. Go look for us there. We would love it if you
2: would rate and review our show. That would be amazing. Come back next week for an all-new episode. Of movies that made us gay. Until then, bye, everybody. Bye. bye.